Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. So, Kevin, what we know is this. Uh, Frank Reich's got to buy a new house, and Dan Quinn's staying in the one he's got, right? Uh, certainly, yes. I would assume yes on the latter. I, th- I think Frank Reich already has a home in Charlotte. Well, I mean, yeah. You, you, I should have said Frank Reich has a new job. Dan Quinn's going to sure, stay with the one sure, he's got. Sure, yeah. Frank Reich to the Panthers. And, um, yeah, I mean, you talk about a city that means a lot to him, a franchise that means a lot to him, means a lot to his family. Um, he's got a daughter that works... Um, for the franchise, so I think it was a very emotional day, I can imagine, for a guy like Frank Reich. And, you know, I, I understand it from Carolina's point of view. I didn't realize this, though, Jake. That's the first offensive hire they've made in franchise history. Really? They've gone defense with every single hire in their, what, nearly 30 years, I guess, of existence. And, you know, you got the feeling they wanted that side of the ball. Um I guess a couple things I'm really curious about. One is, what staff does Frank Reich bring with him? Does he bring Gus Bradley? Does he bring Bubba Ventrone? Um, Does he keep Reggie Wayne off the beach and tell him, hey man, let's do this for another year. Come come over here to Carolina. Um, And then lastly, and I know that Carolina's a little bit deeper in the top 10 and maybe a team like Chicago wouldn't want this, but Chicago Carolina has the ninth overall pick. They're in a very needy quarterback situation, just like Indianapolis. Are they, though? And by that, I mean this. Does does Frank Reich see it that way? Or does he see in Sam Darnold, perhaps, the same awakening he thought he could get out of Carson Wentz, for example? Yeah, it's a fair question. It's a bit scary um, that you even bring it up. But again, knowing Frank Reich's loyalty... Um, I understand the question. I think Carolina just went through the same thing Indianapolis has gone through for the last four or five years, and they say enough is enough. Um, and if you look at the Panthers' draft picks, you know when they traded Christian McCaffrey, they got an extra second rounder this year. So again, they're at ninth. Indianapolis at fourth. That's a big gap. But still, I'm very curious. You know, does Frank Reich know what Chris Bauer likes in this draft class? Does Chris Ballard know what Frank Reich likes in this draft class? How will that intel play out? Here's a question for you. What does that mean for Steve Wilkes? Who I thought did a good job. He coaches on the wrong side of the ball. But moving forward, what does it mean for him? Should he get an interview here? Yeah, it's well. We'll see. Um, are you already kind of down the road with other defensive candidates? Does Steve Wilkes' pending litigation against the Panthers, which he's insinuated, hurt him from getting a head coaching job somewhere? I mean, no, it's not apples to apples, but it doesn't appear to have helped Brian Flores' case. Good point. Which is disappointing because I, I, I think I said Brian, it last year when Brian Flores was fired, I go move Frank Reich to OC and hire Brian Flores. Yeah. As the head coach. There are a lot of right ties to the Charlotte area. His brother coaches at a local college there. has coached there forever. Um, I think that's where Frank initially went 
into his, the uh, into the seminary after his playing days was in Charlotte. So that's kind of their home away from home. I, I do think this, Jake, when you bring up the Steve Wilkes thing. And by the way, good Friday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. Purdue continues to get it done away from home. And I thought just another kind of box checked by Purdue last night. We'll explain that. The Pacers have got the Bucks tonight. It looks like the Miles Turner injury situation isn't too bad, listed as questionable. Uh, no update on Tyrese Halliburton, though, as we are now two weeks removed from what was supposed to be the evaluation date on that. And, of course, we'll talk NFL playoffs coming up with uh, the conference championships this weekend. Um, On the right note, though, Jake, I don't think this has a big domino effect around the coaching opening cycle, if you will, right? I don't think Frank Reich was like being heavily coveted in other areas. I would agree with that. Now, the fact that Dan Quinn has pulled his name out, again, I don't have a great pulse on the other openings around the league, but just based off a little bit of intel, it appears like Houston thinks D'Amico Ryans or maybe Jonathan Gannon, the Philly defensive coordinator, Denver, some sort of D'Amico Ryans, Sean Payton, maybe David Shaw. Um, I know Arizona has also interviewed Sean Payton. So I think we're one more opening, probably one more Sean Payton decision away from the dominoes are really starting to fall. And all of a sudden teams are kind of like, oh boy, we got to panic a little bit. Wait, you think you're getting D'Amico Ryans? We think we're getting D'Amico Ryans. So um, I thought with only five openings, it might just take one for the dominoes start to fall. But I think Frank Reich was kind of an isolated case in that I think outside of Arizona, I thought Carolina was really the only place that he was being interviewed. And we will talk plenty about the Colts coaching search over the course of the morning. That'll probably be our primary topic. But some college basketball to discuss as well. First off, how about, and kudos to, I mean, you want to talk about an electric atmosphere and uh, just kind of a growing seemingly with every single week new momentum. I mean, first off, you have Purdue on the women's side and Katie Gerald's going and getting a win at Illinois. Uh, which was big for them. Seems like she's got that program turned back around. She does have it kind of steadied, right? Uh, And then Indiana. I mean, the Hoosiers last night, 78-65 over number 2-ranked Ohio State down at Assembly Hall. And, I mean, Indiana's rolling. I saw, I I guess they do a women's bracketology as well that, that believes that Indiana is potentially now in play for certainly a number one seed, but potentially a number one or two overall seed in the in the entire tournament for the women's side. Yeah, I mean, I saw that was their sixth win over a ranked team. Obviously, when you beat a team ranked above you, and IU was, what, sixth? I think correct. it was in That's the correct. rankings. So, I mean, you beat the number two team in the nation. That's certainly going to bolster your resume. Um, huge third quarter last night for them. And, yeah, to your point, Jake, over 10,000 in the building. You know, every time I turned over, I was like, man, this, this kind of feels like a you know 9 o'clock you know, IU men's team hosting one in Assembly Hall. And, I mean, from the years that I was there, gosh, I never would have guessed the women's program would have been right at this level. So, yes, a great opportunity that they took advantage of last night. And I would think, you know, with a month to go in the regular season, a little bit over a month, that Indiana women in line um, for a number one seed. And flip that over to the men's side, Purdue continues to bolster the best resume in college basketball. I mentioned this earlier, Jake. Checking a box 
if I were to say to you, what is a question you were to have about Purdue making an April run? Because it, it's almost like that's where we are at right now with this team. Like they, They've proven they can definitely be a second weekend team. It's more of, can they get to April? Do you have enough support for Zach Eady? And by Zach Eady's standards, dominated the first five, ten minutes of the game, but he was rather quiet, especially in the second half. And yet, Purdue kept the lead, expanded a lead, and did it away from home. And I think that's a really important step because inevitably in the tournament, and it might just be because Purdue gets a bad whistle, Zach Eady's going to have a night where he's taken out of a game. And he's not getting you 25 and 15 like he seemingly gives you every single night. So what happens when that occurs? And last night, their bench was outstanding. Even Fletcher Lawyer was a little bit quiet in the second half. And they got support, again, away from Mackey, which I think is so important if they are going to get on one of those special runs. Yeah, what they did last night, I watched most of that game, Purdue and Michigan. Uh, Regent Bryan will be thrilled to know I watched most of the game. Um they go to Zach Eady early and often, and I mean he's his couple touch, left-handers early. Yeah, I mean his touch is really impressive, um, and that was a really good battle watching between he and Hunter Dickinson. You know, the just the scoring back and forth. But they go to Eady, Kevin, and they have a two-point lead, and then after a couple of minutes, it's up to four, and then they're up six because he is very consistent when they go into him. You know, it's. You are scoring more often than not in trips down the floor. Then they get that lead to, to, to like the six to eight point range, and they start to your point opening up and finding out which one's going to be the guy that, that is offering. You know, Caleb first gives them good play, but then Lawyer or Gillis, you know, they, they get a couple of outside shots, and then they just, before you know it, you're up eight to 11, and you just kind of ride that momentum the rest of the way. Now, late in the game, Michigan made it interesting, but it you know, I mean, you're up nine every time. Yeah, you're up nine with a minute to go. You know, you're in good shape. They just, my point being, they don't necessarily come in and blow you out of the building. They just, I mean, it's death by paper cut. And I thought, again, last night was just a little different. You know, Braden Smith in foul trouble in the first half. David Jenkins, who I think has really struggled for them. The the transfer came in and made a couple of important plays off the bench. Uh, You you mentioned Gillis, Trey Kaufman, Wren. Um, I thought he was critical early on when, again, it was just kind of a back-and-forth game. Um, and just important minutes from their bench. And, I mean, it's wild to think, Jake. I mean, they're going to go. Does Purdue have two home games until Indiana? Is that right? Michigan State on Sunday and then um, – is it Penn State next week? No, they go – did you say Michigan State, by the way? Michigan State's at home, right? Yeah, so they go Michigan State at home on Sunday – and then you are correct. Then to Happy Valley, and then they come back for trip to Bloomington. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not Happy Valley. They play back-to-back home games. Michigan State and Penn so their State. next road game will be Bloomington. Correct, correct. So, Jake, I mean they're six and zero on the road. But they haven't lost away from Mackey. One loss is inside of Mackey. I mean, Evan just set it up. And honestly, I didn't even set it up to like try and go down the jinx route. I set it up to say they are unquestionably the number one overall seed right now. I mean, their resume, I mean, how many times do you hear on Selection Sunday? They were 9-2 and two away from home. Right. You know, I mean, again, Purdue continues to build um, such a great resume. And, you know, Michigan is not maybe the juggernaut. A lot of people thought they would be at the start of the year. But still, it's a road win over you know, a team that's right around I, the NCAA tournament bubble. I thought about this last night as I was watching the game. 
maybe I'm. It's because I'm an adult now and I'm not a kid. But when I was a kid, and I would watch. Some might uh, argue with that comment, by the way. <laughs> Spaghettios and Pop-Tarts laying around. Yeah. I, What's that? What, you kind of confused to right. the age of the person who lives in the facility. What's wrong with that? Nothing. I got news for you, Mark. This kind of sexiness comes with the extra calcium oh, that Spaghettios provides. I would say, I feel like you would enjoy the diet of having young children, you know, when like Rosie kind of half-asses her way. Through, are good. Right, and when she yeah. kind of just, uh, I'm done with the Easy Mac, you know, about halfway through. That's a nice little meal to throw in there. <laughs> Jake would love to add Uncrustables to his menu. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but when I was a kid and I would watch Indiana games, all the way up through when I was in college, if Indiana was right number one in the country, just seeing the little number one next to them was such a big deal to me. And like I was always paying attention to who was ranked number one. And then here I am watching the game last night, and like three different times I had to remind myself, I'm like, Purdue is ranked number one in the country, and we barely talk about that fact. And it's think- almost like it's taken for granted that Matt Painter's just built this consistent program that just recycles you know, each time that a big man leaves, oh man, how are they going to replace Isaac Haas? How are they going to replace, you know, Matt Harms? And then here's Zach Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey, yeah. I mean, the number they're number one in the country, man. That is pretty darn cool. And I think to get number one twice in a year is always pretty impressive too. And it's not like they fell to two and then the next week that team that jumped them lost. You know, they were, you know, whatever, three right around there for a couple of weeks and then got back up there. This might be a horrible analogy with Purdue, Jake, but when I watch them move the basketball, it's got a bit of kind of a globetrotter feel to it. I don't disagree. Their ball movement is impressive, man. And, and it's like pace. You know, the ball doesn't stick, if, you know, if, if you hear that term. No one is trying to isolate, and you could argue they don't have a lot of guys that maybe would be great isolators, per se, which I think is a fine statement to make. But, man, that ball just... Just kind of whips around the horn. Everybody is so willing to throw it into Zach Eady. Everybody's effective in throwing into Eady, and I just think that is really, really rare. So, important win for Purdue as they continue to expand that lead in the Big Ten. As Jake said, Michigan State on Sunday, um, and for Indiana, they've got Ohio State tomorrow night. It's kind of a rare Saturday night game inside of Assembly Hall. Gus Johnson on that one, so I know you'll be locked into that one. Good Lord. The Gus Johnson thing, people have caught on to this, right? Am I, we've gone over this, I realize. I feel like, honestly, with Gus Johnson, that they told him to kind of calm down. Because I, what game was it last year? Remember we were talking about, and when I went on about how, I think he's talented. I mean, I get all that, but you got to know the difference between the second half, you know, the second quarter of a game and like the end. Maybe it was a football game. He was very tempered. He had a chance last night for a game winner. Iowa got some great looks right before uh, against Michigan State, right before Purdue and Michigan, but both of those missed. Um, We'll have Greg Regshaw join us at 8. And one of my favorites, I think the most sane human being on the Colts beat, that would be George Bremer uh, from the Anderson Herald Bolton. He's going to join us at 9. Jake, you said it a little bit earlier. Dan Quinn pulling his name out of the head coach search. And where I think that's notable, again, I, I don't, I wasn't standing on the table for Dan Quinn by any means, but we've debated: Do you want head coaching experience? Throwing Jeff Saturday's name out, Jake. If you look at this list of candidates, if you're going head coaching experience, the only guy on that list has not been a head coach in the NFL for over 12 years, and Raheem Morris. 
So no matter what this hire or who this hire is, this person will have either not coached at the head coaching level in the NFL or the last time he did it was over a decade ago. Again, I, I don't think that matters too too much, but I know there's a lot of people out there that will have concern over So that. right now, let's just recap this real quick for those that are just joining us uh, or just got back from vacation and, you know, on Mars. Oh. The, the, the coaches that we believe to be second interview finalists, if you will, for lack of a better phrase, for the Colts head coaching position would be Raheem Morris, in no particular order, Raheem Morris, Jeff Saturday, probably Brian Callahan, right? Yeah, I don't think we know that, like 100% sure. Um, I, I would throw the other name in there that we do know is Jero Evero. From Denver, right? And then we'll see about the coordinators this weekend. Again, you have four coaches coaching this weekend. I'll Three put a of question the, mark next to Ryan's name, right? D'Amico Ryan's, I'd put several question marks next to. Because, again, if San Francisco wins, you can't talk to him until February 13th. Right. Uh, but the other three you all could talk to on Monday, no matter win or lose. That would be Brian Callahan, who you mentioned, Cincinnati OC, Shane Steichen, your Philly OC, and Eric Bieniemy, your Chiefs now, OC. Now, Bieniemy, pardon my naivete, has Bieniemy, do we know that that he that they are interested in a second interview for him, or are we assuming that? No, I don't think we've seen really anything. I mean, Brian Callahan even said this week, the Colts haven't reached out to me for a second interview. Now, that could just be the Colts, you know, wanting Brian Callahan to handle his own business. And, hey, no matter what happens, we can talk to you on Monday. Do any of these names, because I'm, I'm telling you what, Kevin. Again, I, I, I still like Ryans and Callahan. Those have been the two most consistent for me. And Raheem throughout. Morris is the name that I would like. And Morris, I, I, I would not be mad about it. I think there's a lot of reason to look at a man that coached in the NFL over a decade ago. He was 32 years old as a head coach, Jake. Can you imagine? The the more I look at it, the more I believe that the candidacy of Jeff Saturday increases. Oh, I mean the Dan Quinn news, yeah. You know, I mean... I, at this point, if you were going to kind of say, all right, Kevin, who would you you know put above the rest? I'd probably put Ryan's and Saturday in terms of how they view it inside of that building. And and I don't I'm not saying this because I think that Jim Irsay wants to be difficult. Excuse me, a Morrison Saturday. But the more people push back on on Jim Irsay about Jeff Saturday, the more I think he's likely to double down. It's a scary thought you just said. I don't disagree with it, sadly. I do have maybe we can talk about this in the 7:30 segment. I do have a comment, a thought related to the hire of Saturday, that it would be Jim Irsay going against so much of what he has said. Okay. We can bring that up here in a few minutes. Uh, tonight, the Bucks inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. 6.30, our coverage begins. Again, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton did not play two weeks ago when these teams met in Milwaukee. They are both back. And it didn't matter. And you know what, Jake? I know I brought this up a couple weeks ago. The Bucks just own the Pacers. They've won nine straight. And these are the margins. 9, 15, 18, 10, 9, 27, 20, 19, and 13. 
Spread's only seven and a half, by the way, for tonight. I'm excited to watch the game tonight. This is a fun little Friday Sunday. Milwaukee and then at Memphis. Who yeah. guards Giannis? Uh, TJ McConnell, actually, I, interesting. I just was talking to somebody yesterday that was at practice. Uh, TJ McConnell, is. do you remember Hoosiers? You've seen Hoosiers, right? Do I remember Hoosiers? Strap, put Ollie on your shoulders, and then Ollie gets up to measure the... I think you'll find the rims the same as it is at our gym back in Hickory. That's going to be um, Goga and McConnell tonight? Uh, TJ McConnell, yep, getting on Goga's shoulders, and that's who's guarding Giannis. Uh, lateral like two movement. teenagers trying to sneak into an R-rated movie? <laughs> yes, I'll... Uh, <laughs> Like to see this film? <laughs> did you ever? Did you ever do the Saturday matinee sneak-ins when you were a kid? You go for like a noon movie and then you stay and you no, hang around think, and then you sneak no, into the ones that are at three o'clock. I think we just tried to do the buy a couple tickets, bring a few out, and see if we can get our way in there. The back door? Did you ever do that? Like hope you they, go and hope they don't. One hundred forty-six Regal Cinema. That's still there. I, you know what? Right by Menards. I was just there when I saw the whale. That's where we saw it. I had never been to that theater. And that's, that's where you where, went. Yes, that's where it was really? playing, and we went there. And I, I thought it was great. They've got like the stadium seating they all do now, right? But there was some, it was kind of a more of a quaint, older school theater, which I liked on the inside. It wasn't like the big, you know. Man, if those walls could talk, really. You guys, uh, level of interest for Sunday the championship games. Hi, I, I would agree with that, Mark. Uh, we've talked about it from a Vegas spread standpoint. It's the you know first time I think since like 2016 that you've had both championship games spread of less than three points. I mean, if you on paper, I would argue these are the four hottest teams we've seen over the last couple of months of the season. Uh, balanced teams. What Kansas City's now gone back up to a one point favorite, I believe. I think Philly's just a couple of points. As a favorite there, I'm not like very confident in either pick that I have, which I think is an indicator that these should be two great games. I think the AFC game is really exciting and fun and sexy and, and all of that and intriguing, and I know that they are two darn good football teams for whatever reason, and I'm not saying I'm not going to watch the game and be excited by it, but... I, there's nothing about San Francisco or Philadelphia, either one, that like gets me super excited. Oh, really? I, I, I mean, love I, watching San Francisco. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I don't know why. They've got actually. some special talent, and, and they've got cool uniforms. I mean, all that they've got, they do. I mean, Kittle is fun to watch. McCaffrey's fun to watch. Debo, uh, Debo Samuel's fun to watch. You know, Purdy's a great story. I mean, they got a lot to like. Philly's no got doubt. a cool offense. They do, but Philly. Uh, I, this is so weird. I know I'm weird. I know I'm neurotic. I, when I think of Philadelphia and the Eagles, and the same is true of the Giants, and the same is true of the Commanders back in the day, when I think of those franchises, I just think of the late Sunday, drizzly, dreary, 45 degrees and rainy game with a 60 minutes preview coming up after, you know, except for on your on the West Coast, your late local news, whatever. And it's like, oh, I got to go to school tomorrow. It just, there's just something about the NFC East to me that is like a mud slog. I don't know why. Yeah, I think this Philly team's a little bit more modern. I, I get it. I that. get it. But I, but it's like an eye association. I look at it and I just go, oh God, I, I haven't done my homework, which actually is true again this year. <laughs> I was going to say geology class on that one. <laughs> That's right. Well, math. I got another math class. Yeah, combined spread of three and a half in the two games. That's the second lowest. Ever. Here's a good question. 
Uh, somebody just asked me, is Evero on the Denver coaching list? If not, why would the Colts be interested in a guy that coached in Denver but is not atop their list? Yeah, Mark, do you recall That's what a really good question. Nick Cosmider said yesterday? I, I asked him that, that direct question. Um, they interviewed him, certainly, uh, but I think they're viewing Sean Payton, D'Amico Ryans, and David Shaw maybe in a little bit of a different light. Yeah, that sounds correct. You know, with him, Jake, I think the same question would apply to like a Bubba Ventrone here. Do you just kind of want to get away from that previous staff? Do you just feel like, albeit he had great success defensively, um, you know, whatever. He was Nathaniel Hackett's college roommate. I I, I don't know if any of that matters. Um, but yeah, that is a fair question. Sounds like Raheem Morris today, Vero yesterday. Um I'm very interested to see Frank Reich's staff. How many Gus Bradley, Bubba Ventrone, Reggie Wayne type hires? Probably depends on... And does he call plays? It probably depends on also who gets hired here, right? But again, if you're a coach, can you wait for that? Fair. But Reggie Wayne's under contract, right? Remember the Reggie Wayne tweet? The coaching business is you know shadier than he originally thought. He also said, it's snowing, I'm out of here. Yeah, he's not fond of this weather. I don't blame him for that. Uh, but yeah, will Frank Wright call plays? You know, because I would argue that that was you know, too much on his plate here in Indianapolis. Will he continue to do that, or does he look at Nick Sirianni and say, "Hey, here, here's maybe a I'll be question, a little bit more of a Kevin, CEO"? And I know we're up against it, but here's a better question to, to ponder: If if Jim Irsay True or false, nostalgia and being connected to greatness of teams within the Colts' history is important to Jim Irsay. The Colts' history is important to Jim Irsay. True or false? Oh, true. Okay. If Jim Irsay feels like keeping Cato June, keeping Reggie Wayne, keeping links to the past are connected towards having a coach that wants to be here, does that even further cement to him the necessity to lock in Jeff Saturday as opposed to a coach that would force his stars of the Super Bowl era to go coach elsewhere. Boy, his ego would be a lot bigger than I think it is. I mean, his ego's big, but... His being... Jim. But why is Reggie Wayne coaching here? Because of Frank Reich. I, I'm some, but, I'd be but, somewhat surprised if Reggie Wayne coached in the NFL next year. But if Jeff Saturday comes here, one would think if Jeff, if Reggie Wayne was going to stay in Indianapolis, it would be because would, there's only there's would, only one coach that he would probably retain for, right? Would Reggie Wayne? Well, yeah. Would, would Reggie Wayne rather be on Frank Reich's staff or Jeff Saturday's staff? That's a good question. I, I can't answer that. I mean, it's a good question. But if you're Jim Irsay, you're thinking. I want as many guys that are horseshoe guys here as possible. Yeah, Which, yes, who's who's going to retain the horseshoe and the glory years of the Lombardis? I get what you're saying, but gosh, at some point, we I, can acknowledge and appreciate the era, but... I, I don't disagree, don't Kevin. You need to hire every great this, player We're from talking about era. the same guy that had Raymond Barry come out to do a coin flip in an Indianapolis game, and people were like, who's that again? He's one of the great horseshoe guys. Okay, I mean, you're in Indianapolis now. Nobody, you know... 
A whole lot to get to today on Kevin and Corey. Greg Rakestraw, 8 o'clock, George Brimmer at 9. Yes, Aaron, we did mention earlier the Indiana women getting a big win over number 2 Ohio State last night, furthering that impressive resume that, in my eyes, is not going to act like I'm totally plugged in, but six wins over ranked teams. you got to think that is a number 1 seed type of resume for Terry Morin's bunch. Great atmosphere inside of Assembly Hall last night. Nice start to this Friday morning to you. No precipitation or anything that you're dealing with here on your commute in. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton, 93.5-1075, The Fan. By Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Alright, last night up in Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor, Jake, Purdue continued their undefeated season on the road in the Big Ten. It's now 6-0, and 9-1 overall in the Big Ten. Set, was 75-70 was at the final? Uh, Purdue built a nice lead in the first half, thanks to their bench. Great support um, from guys not named Zach Eady, Braden Smith, battle in foul trouble, Fletcher Lawyer um, was kind of quiet late in the second half. So an important step for Purdue getting some help. From uh, not really their their big three, especially their big one. Edie had 19 and nine, but compared to what he has been putting up this season, um, important for Purdue to get that type of support. Here was Matt Painter afterwards on Purdue expanding that lead, unlike their game against Maryland. Yeah, we just didn't turn the ball over as much. You know, we, we didn't allow Michigan and how many uh, yeah the, you know the fast break points. You know, like we just we gave a handful of baskets to Maryland. I should say gave because you know. But we turn the basketball over too much. Even though 12 is not a great number, it's much better than 15. Like those those plays when they got in there and were able to get those steals, like that really gave Maryland momentum. Um, just passing and catching, being simple. I talked to them before the game about hitting singles. Just hit singles, man. Quit quit trying to always hit home runs. Take what the defense gives you. And you know, I, I thought that was the difference in the game against Maryland and how it became so close was our inability just to pass and catch and do simple things. Yeah, Again, growth from Maryland to last night. Uh, Max Hedrum in a windstorm. Uh, talking, <laughs> talking about... Is that like a remix of a swoosh that we were going to do? No, 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 19, 19. Uh, by the way, on the women's side of things, <laughs> Purdue 62-52 winners on the road at number 22, Illinois, and the big one last night in women's college basketball, Indiana over Ohio State, 78-65. Hoosiers now 19-1. and Ohio State came in ranked number two in the country. They now was fall that nineteen and two. Megan McEwen on the call last night. I think so. I, I, I could have sworn that was her her voice. Yeah, she did a great job. And she I was did a really good job. Back and forth on that. All right, tonight over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, the Pacers back in action. Uh, they will take on the Milwaukee Bucks. Sounds like Giannis. Sounds like Middleton will play uh, for the Pacers. I guess good news on the Miles Turner front. Um, he's just listed as questionable. It's an right ankle injury for him that is not the ankle that he hurt remember on opening night in warm-up so good news on that front doesn't look like Tyrese Halliburton will play though he is two weeks removed from that initial report supposed to be evaluated yesterday uh Pacers did not have practice so no update on that seven and a half point underdog for the Pacers they will head to Memphis for a game on Sunday so quite the back-to-back and speaking of Halliburton, did you guys see the all-star starters announced last night? Mm-hmm. Yep. I saw the captains were announced, right? Yes, and the starters. Um, I don't think a, really that much of a surprise that Halliburton was not a starter. Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and Giannis. A little surprise, no Joel Embiid 
starting for the East. Out West, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron, Zion Williamson, and Nikola Jokic. A couple of those guys, Zion Williamson tweaked a hamstring and Luka rolled his ankle, right? Last last night? Yeah. Halliburton was fifth among voting in Eastern Conference guards, third by the media, sixth by the players, eighth by the fans. I still think he gets voted in as a reserve. Coaches vote for reserves. That will be announced next week. Now, does Wally Zerbiak have a vote? Well, third by the media, so we'll see if Wally uh, <laughs> had a vote there. You knew who you knew who is playing at a really high level, who's a really good player in the NBA? LeBron. Well, besides that, same city. I know people don't want to hear it around here. Paul George. Paul George pretty darn good, man. 35 last night. Like Clippers 138-100 the, the Spurs. Should we check how many Romeo Langford had last night for the Spurs? Sure. How about Blake Wesley from Notre Dame? Is he getting any minutes for him? Okay, let's check. Uh, the Spurs, by the way, they've got two kids from Ben Davis that play for them too. Uh, like literally students that are currently at Ben Davis playing for the Spurs. They're definitely in rebuild mode. San Antonio Spurs last night. Here we go. Uh, would you like to guess, Mark, how many Romeo Langford had? Five. Let's go with eight. Oh, hang on. My my chipmunk that runs my computer just took a smoke break. Hang on. He'll be right back. Pretty par for the course in Jake's pre-show planning here. <laughs> here we go. Romeo Langford. Come on now. Uh, I don't see him. DNP, oh. CD, <laughs> maybe? Well, I'm not, I this is assume, right on sorry. par with Jeffrey's pop quiz yesterday. Now, who did you ask about? Blake Wesley. Or is he G League in it? He had 21 minutes last night, did Blake Wesley. He oh. was 2 of 5 from the floor, 0 for 2 for 3-point range. He had 6 points. Good for him. I don't know. Is Langford hurt, or is he in like the... You kind of never know, right? Boy, this is a riveting close here to the morning <laughs> check down. We probably should have a meeting about these kinds of things. You want to look that up and inform us maybe when we come back? <laughs> I I'm sure will. people are just on the edge of their seats looking at... You know how many people have probably looked this up in their car already? Already have the answer? When we come back here on Kevin Query, we'll get back to the Colts head coaching search. Mentioned it earlier. He's out with left abductor tightness, by the way, Romeo Langford. I'll give him a QC Kinetics call. <laughs> That's see if right. I can help in that I've area. I've got right abductor tightness from time to time. I, I've I've got some of that just from listening to the last minute or two of you trying to find that. <laughs> I'm on your right, and I'm your abductor. Things Jim, are a little tight. <laughs> Jim Irsay hires Jeff Saturday. Would he be going against something that he has been very public about? in recent years. We'll explain more coming up next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Jake, when you look back on um, the Chuck Pagano-Ryan Grigson era, the downfall of that era, Jim Mercer made it very clear it was dysfunction between those two. Those two not on the same page. I mean, we have the very infamous Monday night press conference after the 
what was it, 2015 season of, you know, oh, they're going to see a therapist and they're going to be aligned and now they're tied at the hip and all of this. And that lasted a year and then Grigson was fired and then Pagano was fired a year after that. Would hiring Jeff Saturday create similar GM head coach dysfunction? I think that Jeff Saturday and Chris Ballard had a now I think they had a decent working relationship actually prior um prior to November no what once Saturday became the interim head coach I think that his interactions with Ballard were probably fewer than one would guess but cordial and professional. But that also was during a time that Ballard was under the assumption that there was going to be a job opening up that he would be able to thoroughly vet. And his voice was also being muted. And I think there is an assumption by a lot of people, Kevin, that Chris Ballard at this point is a guy that is happily going in and doing his job because he's getting a big paycheck. And and that's let me let me back that up. I, I'm not meaning that as a knock on Chris Ballard. I'm actually saying that in defense of Chris Ballard. That came out the wrong way. That makes it sound like he's just mailing it in and doesn't care. I don't mean that at all. What I mean is, I think there are a lot of people that are wondering or under the assumption, like from a fan standpoint, of Chris Ballard. One would assume could probably get jobs around the league, and if he has been muted or neutered, then. At this point, he's probably like, hey, I'm getting $5 million a year. I'll go in and, and sure, I'll, I'll keep the owner happy. I think there are a lot of people that assume that may be taking place. I don't know. But to your point, yes, I do believe that if Jeff Saturday is permanently put in position after Chris Ballard has this exhaustively gone through all of this window dressing, then Chris Ballard will be along the same lines of a lot of fans of like what are we what are we doing here and i don't mean what are we doing meaning what are we doing hiring jeff saturday just why did we go through the charade you know the pagano grixon dysfunction it's probably unfair to just assume or label the same thing would be there if jeff saturday were hired in that relationship with chris ballard but there sure as hell would be a lot of awkwardness and this kind of goes back to what I was saying at the end of the season of, I think when you fire a head coach, if your GM is on any sort of similar timeline to that head coach, which Ballard is, Ballard had only been an Indy for one year longer than Frank Reich, I would just can both and start over. Because I just think it creates an awkward dynamic when you have a sixth-year GM, I guess a seventh-year GM, who has won nothing. And now you're bringing in this beloved, potentially this beloved figure of the franchise that the owner absolutely loves. That just seems awkward, messy, and I think it's such an organizational key to have the GM and the head coach aligned on things. Would they be? The first sign of adversity, naturally, as human beings, you're probably just going to throw the under one, the other one uh, right. under the bus. And we've like, been there, just, right? And that's where I think if Jim Mersey looks at this and says, man, the previous era... The biggest downfall of that era, because, you know, Gregson and Pagano, they won early on. Double-digit wins each of the first three seasons. And then, like... Can you do that again? That was impressive. Yeah, I wanted a little bit more downfall. There we go. That was a little better the second time around. Do, do you remember, Kevin, 
What I'm saying with Ursay Jake is, will he sit there and think to himself, that relationship fractured the last era? Do I want to make sure that the potential for that isn't somewhat there this time around? Conventional wisdom, you would hope, would say yes. But conventional wisdom is here's the other side that comes into play, and this is a little more esoteric. But for those that, for the few of you out there that are listening that maybe haven't followed the Colts as explicitly, I'll use a different sport analogy. Get ready for your little bad metaphor thing, Mark. But go get out the bingo card, Kevin. Do you recall the? And I'm going in the way back, admittedly. But do you recall the 2002 Indianapolis 500 controversy between Elio Castroneves and Paul Tracy? Yeah, yellow, green situation Correct. late. So that's exactly right. Last Towards the end of the race, Elio Castroneves is trying to hold on to the lead. Paul Tracy seemingly passes him right at the time that the caution flag comes out due to an accident with Lorette Radon and Buddy Lazier. Castroneves is, is given the win. And ironically, Roger Penske and his team appeal it, saying that Tracy was had already made the pass when the caution came out. It went to a multi-week, multi-video presentation, board hearings, appeal process. Paul Tracy's team spent $750,000 accumulating video and satellite images and telemetry and everything else. This would be good for that Netflix thing that IndyCar's doing. Correct. Whatever they're And doing. then after all of that, they held a press conference to announce who was going to win the Indy 500. This was mo- many weeks later, and they came out, and everybody packed into the rooms at the media center at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Here comes the judge and jury. Here comes the ruling. And they come out and say, uh, upon further review, uh, th- this actually was not up for appeal. So thank you, everyone, for your attention and for your diligence on an appeal that wasn't appealable. And having nothing to do with him as a person, a coach, anything, if Jeff Saturday is hired as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts permanently, then fans of this franchise are going to feel like they went into a press conference room to have Jim Irsay say, after further review and interviewing Dan Quinn and D'Amico Ryans and Raheem Morris and Brian Callahan and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we decided actually that this was never up for appeal to begin with, and Jeff Saturday was our guy from the get-go. This has been another Jake Query metaphor. Thanks. Just picture Mark's finger hovering over the button for the last 30 or 40 seconds waiting for that. Um, Yeah, it would have like a bit of a travel baseball feel to it. Oh, yeah, we're going to pick him because, you know, dad sponsors the jerseys. Right. It would have a little bit of that feel to it. How about this one from Bennett, Jake? If Ursay hires Saturday, do you think there will be a potential issue where coaches wouldn't want to come to Indy to be on Saturday staff out of the disrespect and drama of the situation? I don't know about that. I think that there might be coaches that would be hesitant to go because they would not be sold that it was... I think there are already coaches that are hesitant to come here. Yeah. Quite frankly. And to Bennett's point, I think if you're a coach and you are way in two places... That would be a con on it. Again, I don't think it's a major con, but it is interesting when you hear the tone of some of the national people, like Ian Rappaport, especially yesterday, the tone that he was using in describing how people around the league view Jim Irsay and Jeff Saturday's relationship, there is a disdain from 
coaches around the league. Um, is it to the point where you would totally not even look at that job? Yeah, that's probably a bit unfair to say, but um, I think there are a lot of people, and obviously we saw with Bill Cowher early on, and you know, I think you still see it today, that people would be very turned off by the Colts with that. But again, this comes back to the other point I was making earlier in the week. That's why I'm so fascinated to see what Jeff Saturday's coaching staff would look like. By the way, I, I miss I, this is what I meant to say. Roger Penske was Castro Nevis's owner. Team Green, Barry Green, was Paul Tracy's. So Penske was the. What did Elio say to us when we didn't we ask him that earlier this year when we had him on or last year? Yeah, he basically said, "Look, I was stunned when all the lights went off to say that the caution had come out. So I know for a fact he had not yet passed me because I was going along and all of a sudden they he said I was almost he said I was in such a trance." focused on making sure Tracy didn't pass me that it almost woke me up when they yelled at me about the caution light coming on in my and the lights all came on in my dash and I was still in front at that time but he also said it admitted that um he may not have had enough fuel to win the race if it had stayed green boy they need to carve out that drama here for late May on the old CW right isn't that where it's that's right the uh Behind the scenes documentary style right. will be right, right, right there next to Live Golf. So yeah, Live Golf on CW as well. Mm-hmm. We got to download the app to watch the Friday rounds. Oh, do you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and get a what head about start. The on Bally that. Sports app is that still going to be around? Boy, I, I saw know. bankrupt for Bally. Did I see that? They're yep. like not. We're up against it. I realize, but I will simply say this: I, with all televised sports the tv contracts that bubble was eventually going to burst i mean when you're paying what did i see nine billion dollars with a b I, that's an awfully hard return on investment to get i don't care what you're selling and some of these the networks it's it's like major league baseball contracts the guys get signed to these mega you know 10-year mega million contracts and how often by like year seven are the teams absolutely desperate to trade them it's the same thing with a lot of TV networks. They're desperate to get out of these TV deals. Speaking of TV, Greg Rankshaw joins us next here. Kevin Court. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Jake, I'm not sure if you saw this um, earlier in the week from our next guest, but Greg Gregshaw is going to join us here, ISC Sports Network. And I want to say the Indy Star had an article on a couple that is trying to go to every Indiana high school basketball gym. Did you see I that? I saw that, yep. How many do you think Rake has been to? How many are there total? I know he knows, but how many are there total? Well, l- let's ask him because I don't... I, I, I would don't, bet I you that he has been to... I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to say he's been to 85%. Greg Gregstraw, how many Indiana high school basketball gyms are there? Not as many. Well, there's about 400, basically, uh, is what you're looking at. Cause there's okay. 410 members, and not everybody has their own. The vast majority do. I've got two separate lists going. So the gym count is not as large as you would think. I've been to 124. But I have, a, I have another list that I've been maintaining for years, and that is I've had some official responsibilities for a game involving this. In other words, I played against them all those years ago. 
I have done an event from their facility or I have had them in a game, that number is 274. 274. So, so in other words, you're including schools like if you go to the WIG, well, the WIGWAM no longer, but if you go to North Central and they play, you know, insert name, whatever, Gary Roosevelt, Correct. You Correct. you are counting Gary Roosevelt, even though you've not been to Gary Roosevelt's gym. Correct. I have had them in some official capacity. Right. Again, I, I was not just there as a fan. I was either an athlete in the game, or I was working the game on radio or television. I think, if I'm not mistaken, you've got Addicts and Ben Davis coming up. Is that tomorrow night? I've got Ben Davis both nights this week. So they've got Carmel. Uh, and uh, Carmel ended an undefeated Ben Davis season 29 years ago. Uh, trying to do the same thing. They just knocked off number three Brownsburg on Saturday. And then tomorrow night, Addicts as the surprise winners of the city tournament. Uh, taking on the county champs. Yeah, beating in, my uh, Irish. Ben Davis. So. I, was, I was curious about, like, and that's just naturally how the schedule evolved, of course. Like, this is not the city champion playing the county champ. Correct. What if you you did that, like, on Wednesday of this past week, Rake? You know, the city title is Monday. I guess, was Marion County last Saturday, though? Correct. Marion County would have been January 14th. Okay, so, wow, it would have been a couple weeks ago. You think we would ever, yeah. I, I get, obviously, it's different, you know, governing bodies. It sounds way too hierarchy of a term but would we ever get like hey city champ plays the county champ you know the wednesday after the city tournament or sure something? the fact that it, it, the, the teams seemingly the pool of teams that's going to win the city tournament is smaller than those that are win the county tournament but let's face it cathedral's in the championship most every year it's kind of been a rotating you know is tech the best city team or is addicts the best city team you know for a while you know how it would have been in that group um, you know, for a brief period of time, Cecina, you know, would have been in the conversation. And so because of that, like, for example, Cathedral and Ben Davis play each other every year. That game was actually moved up. Usually it's in February. That game was moved to December to be a part of the Forum Tip-Off Classic this year. Uh, and so because of the fact that normally the teams that are going to win the county are probably going to play the teams that win the city anyway in their regular season schedule, or as has been the case, Many times in the last several years, they're in the same sectional, like Cathedral and Tech, both being in the same sectional as both Lawrence North, North Central, etc. Because those games already likely happen, my answer would be probably not. Greg, do you believe Greg Rakestra is our guest? He's on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Of course, you can see and hear him on the ISC Sports Network talking high school basketball among the other responsibilities he has that includes being the post game host for the Colts radio network. When Dan Quinn announced that he was going to stay at his current position and not seek the head coaching opportunities for which he had interviewed, which included the Indianapolis Colts and that he was going to stay in Dallas. Do you think the Colts saw that as a colossal disappointment or do you think the Colts saw that as an ease of pressure of a name they could check off the list? Maybe somewhere in the middle, um, just because again, I, I I think that I think they're still leaning towards an offensive-minded guy, knowing what draft pick you have at number four, and if you feel the need to move up to to go get a quarterback that you need uh, for. Even though Dan is an experienced head coach, he's done a really good job in Dallas, is amongst the hot candidates. If you're going to go the defensive-minded route in previous head coach, you've already got a guy like that in your candidate pool in Raheem Morris. So I'm sure they're disappointed in anyone that wanted to say that, that they thought had a second interview 
that ends up not coming and taking the job, but is that one less name before an eventual handing of the throne to Jeff Saturday, I don't think I'm ready to go that far just yet, Jake. On that Jeff Saturday front, and again, Greg Rakestraw joins us, as Jake said, the Colts postgame show host. You also hear him on preseason TV. Rake, I'm not going to act like it is at this level or it would be premature to act like it would be on this level, but I would say the biggest issue in the breaking up of the previous era was dysfunction between Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano, GM and head coach. Yep. Should that be a worry at all for Jim Irsay if Jeff Saturday is the hire? Yes, it should be. I mean, because it's, it's not the first time it's happened. I mean, now, the other, the other time it happened, you know, the, the end result was pretty good. But, you know, Jake can give you chapter and verse on talking to Jim Mora. And remember, you know, there was a split between Bill Polian and, and, and Jim, obviously, whether Vic Fangio should be retained or not was kind of the ultimate driving factor there. But there was division between the head coach and the GM. And again, it was the general manager uh, that was picked in that case. And it probably worked out better that, that that was the way that it went. It went the opposite way in 2016, you know, between Griggs and Chuck Pagano. So having everybody sing, you know, sing from the same hymnal is kind of a big deal. In other words, if you think enough of Chris Ballard to continue to let him be your team's general manager, you to go with his opinion on whom the next head coach is going to be. If you disagree with that, then you should have done something different with Chris Ballard about three or four weeks ago. Rick, has anything surprised you about how the last couple of weeks have unfolded with this search? Whether you know maybe the lack of a Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh, no college coaches, the amount of candidates, uh, head coaching experience doesn't seem to be a huge requisite. Anything surprise you? Maybe just the sheer tonnage of interviews they have done. I appreciate them being thorough. I appreciate them taking their time. It is still a laundry list of people they have talked with about the job. So while I don't disagree with the methodology, it is still eye-popping that it's been, you know, what, 13 different people seemingly have had a conversation about this job. And Greg, I don't want to be the bad guy here, but I have been from time to time. I, I get it. They're being thorough, and I get it. But in a world where people's attention span is that of a gnat, are do you think that? And it shouldn't matter, I guess. But do you think that that the fan base, the, or maybe even either coaches, other coaches, are just kind of exhausted by the length and the the updates of all of it from the get go? No, I mean I, I think part of that is just kind of the way that a business is done. It keeps you in the news cycle, um, frankly. Um, but but I thought the main reason why this is being drawn out uh, is, is is that reason. I really think it's a, it's it's a game of, of poker or, or a game of chess, and you're waiting for other moves to kind of come off the board. Obviously, we saw one yesterday with Frank getting the job in Carolina, but it's not like the Colts are the only team that's in this boat that are waiting to see whom their next head coach is going to be. Seemingly, everybody's kind of waiting for everybody else to make a move, and then once a certain name comes off the board. I expect a lot of dominoes to fall. So I think that's been the biggest the biggest reason why this has been a slow-moving process is that it's been the same for everyone at this point. Greg Rakestraw is with us tonight. Ben Davis and Carmel. Tomorrow, Ben Davis and Addicts. Um, Rick, kind of the news on more of a 
a baseball fandom standpoint, but obviously ties to the state. Scott Rowland going to the Baseball Hall of Fame earlier this week. How old were you when Rowland was at Jasper? He is basically, what What year graduate was he at Jasper? Like 92, 93, 93 I think, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes, that, make, that makes him all of one year older. And while we played high school baseball almost simultaneously, believe me, me and my guys at Lanesville were not exactly in Jasper's orbit back in 1993. <laughs> do, do you recall him at all as a basketball player? Barely, like so. Like for example, Matt Mock, who obviously sure. made it to both the National Football League and and, and Major League Baseball. He's LSU, Peyton Myers. Um, he Matt was younger than me. I actually broadcast uh, one of Matt's basketball games because he played with Michael Lewis when they made the semi state in '96. I did, I did a regional game against North Harrison at the Hatchet House that they played in. So, so you know, I wouldn't have played against against Roland. But you growing up forty five miles away, believe me, you knew how good Jasper baseball was. And and when I was in high school, we were right about a five hundred team. The the larger schools that we were concerned with were New Albany and Floyd Central, and trying to find a way to get past them in the sectional. Um, and we we never did. <laughs> came close my freshman year to New Albany. That's about as close as we came to getting out of the sectional. So you know you knew about Scott Rowland, but I never had the chance to. Or anything like that. Obviously, I'll tap into both of your minds for for this one, but I mean, and you're talking about great, great dual sport athletes from an Indiana high school standpoint in our state. Roland, I mean, Joe Wrights, David Bell, who else am I forgetting? Stacy Toran, Clayton Richard, probably. Tim Stoddard. Um, because he played at NC State and played in, in, in the, on the national team and then went to play in Major League Baseball. Um, Stacy Turan. From, from, from a high school standpoint, uh, because he went the minor league route and never made it out of minor league baseball. But as a high school athlete, Kelsey Mucker was basically all state in three different sports. Yeah, what happened to him? He got drafted by the Twins, right? Twins. And I think they never made him at double A. I think he's a scout now. But he was an Indiana All-Star in basketball, All-State level football player, and went to go play minor league baseball. Okay, I'll go with the following: Stacy Turan, and I'll go older here. Stacy sure, Turan, Cam Cameron, um, Gary Thurman comes to mind, who was could have played Division One quarterback at Miami of Florida and signed with the Kansas City Royals out of high school. Um, those are the three that come to mind. And then, did we mention David Bell already? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mentioned yes, did start. did Banks of the, of the more modern versions? Jeff Juan Samarjo. Jones and Darius Latham were both guys that were Indiana All Stars and went and played football. And Darius briefly made him the National Football League. Um, and then Dewan, I expect to be a very high draft pick yeah. in this year's NFL draft. How about Kawan Short being an Indiana All Star? Wasn't Kawan Short on a state championship basketball team and yeah. then also played Great the league? Great player at Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Correct. He was the leading team. scorer or third with Etwan Moore and then Angel Garcia went on to play at Memphis. Yeah, I'd throw Jeff Samarge's name on there. Dustin Keller, sure. what, what, what was that? Basketball for Keller? Do you recall that one along he with Thompson? Been, I remember Dustin's a football player, but he may have been a pretty good basketball player too. Kenny Lofton. Whew. Sure. A good one. East Chicago Central. Very good one. You got anything else left for uh, Rake, Jake? It looks like our uh, our mid-majors in the state are taking a step back. Uh, oh, the, what I wanted to ask you, Rake, was about Mike Davis' son. Um, yep. You saw him over the weekend, right? Correct. I have seen – he has had six 40-point performances in his four-and-a-half-year career, five-year career. Two of them have been in the Indiana Farmers Coliseum against IUPUI. He had 43 the last game of the regular season, February of 2020. 
and then he had 42 to then move into second place in Division One scoring history, and now is about 400 back of Pete Maravich. I don't know what he scored on Monday against Oakland because they went it, they played again, and then they would have played last night, I believe. I'm not sure what he had, but he, it, it is it is possible, be difficult. It is possible he can catch Maravich by the end of the year. Well, what's his game like? Just like six one, six two, shooter score? Is he attacking the rim? What, what what's his game like? Well, he is listed at six one. I think he's closer to five eleven, um, and he is probably a buck fifty soaking wet. Because of that, I don't know if he has an NBA future. He's just not. I don't, I don't know much weight he can be putting on either. Um, I think he's a guy that if he wants to do this, he is going to Europe and he's making good money over there. And he's kind of a la a David Logan to reference a North Central Panther for Jake and a UND Greyhound for me. Um, David's what. 16, 17 years removed from UND and still playing over in Europe. I think Antoine is probably that level of player. Um, let's mention the obvious two asterisks between he and Pete Maravich. All right. Antoine is going to play the equivalent of basically four and a half years. They've missed like 15 games due to COVID and things like that during his five year run. But he's been a part of five seasons. And obviously, Pete played three, and there was no three point line when Pete played. Just the fact that anybody's even in the conversation. With, with with Antoine. I mean, Antoine has scored the most points anybody has in 44 years in college basketball, let alone 53 years going back to Maravich. That's insane that we're even talking about this. But he is a wonderful scorer of the basketball, great shooter, great about creating space, being a bit undersized. Maybe he gets a look from an NBA team. I think really Europe is where he ends up. Uh, he played their, their game after IPOI was against Oakland, right, Greg? Uh, Correct, Monday. Yeah. 14, he was 3 of 16 Ooh. from the floor. Why could he never do that against IUP? <laughs> it would be nice if I saw one of those games one time. Rake's got a lot of Ben Davis on his plate this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Tonight, it's Carmel. Tomorrow, Attucks in a county city title matchup. Greg, have a great weekend, man. Thanks, fellas. That's a great Greg Rakestraw right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, Dustin Keller, Jay mentioned state champ in the high jump. That's pretty impressive. A tight end. Let me tell you, Antoine Davis was such a cute little kid. Do you remember Mike Davis carrying him around during the the iconic. I've told you about Colleen Bowen, my mother, getting Mike Davis's autograph in the Assembly Hall parking lot. That's right, on a sheet of paper, right? Throwing the ball with Antoine in in the parking lot. Chandler Thompson, great two-sport athlete. Gary Harris. Yeah, I mean, you you got a lot. Gary Harris is a good one. That's a good one. He was a great wide receiver. You got a lot of names on this list. Greg... Not Greg Gregstraw, but Greg says, played baseball Scott Rowland for three summers, the best dunker he's ever seen. How about... I could see Rowland being a... Jeff George might have been as good at baseball as he was football, and he was, at the time, I believe, either the the all-time or second all-time leading scorer in basketball at Warren Central when he left. Then Greg Graham took care of that. And again, you're going to see a lot of this deteriorated, you know, moving forward, Jake, sadly, because the specialization of sports... I was always curious about this with Mike Conley. Did he ever try and do track? His dad was an Olympian. Yeah, that's a good good point. Couldn't you see Conley being a great long jumper? Yeah. You know what's fascinating? I think I've mentioned this to you before. His dad won a medal? uh, His dad was a triple jumper, right? He was a world champion, I think, uh, as a professional. I don't know about in the Olympics. But... I have interviewed athletes either on the radio or in television, and people laugh or snicker when you ask the question, 
what was your favorite sport growing up? And people are like, what do you? Why would you ask that to LeBron James? Why would you ask that to, you know, whoever? Insert name of athlete. I would bet you that sixty percent or more of the athletes that you know of that play professional sports name name a different sport as their favorite growing up. Yeah, I'd agree. You know what I mean? And they're like, oh man, I, man, what I really loved was. But then at some point they realize that they're. Either their ability or their body leans them towards a sport that's different than the one that they most enjoyed. Boy, Mike Conley Sr. decorated, to say the least. 84 silver in the triple jump in L.A. Um, won the gold in Barcelona in 92. Multiple world championship medals. Uh, this from our buddy Ralph Reef. You guys should do an entire show on Indiana high school athletes, male and female. It's a fascinating conversation. I'll throw in Adam Shunk, who played on the state finals basketball team at Delta, went on to a University of North Carolina track and field scholarship, won the indoor NCAA high jump title on the international track and field tour for a number of years and is now the sports psychologist for the Pacers and Butler. That's pretty impressive. I I literally am jotting this down for July ideas. (laughs) That's right. It is good. Yeah. It's it's a good one. It's a great, fun topic. How glorious is this Friday morning right now? Yeah, it's beautiful. Wow. Sun, baby. Should I go bang on the window again? Hark! Hark! That's what he screamed in the break. Kevin was gone, right? Yeah, he was gone, and I thought you were having a mental breakdown. Had you not seen the sun in eons? (laughs) It was was right after. Bang on these drums all day. It was after the holidays, and the sun rose, and I literally went to the glass and banged on it. I looked like George Costanzo when the hospital doors closed. Like, seven! It's like the hunchback of Notre Dame, just like screaming at the bell tower. It it is such an unbelievable sight to see at this sunny right now <laughs> i know I mean, well did you have you seen the forecast well, Over, next week it's supposed to get real overcast chilly, right? by 10 30 like you get like two hours here we literally are like the guys at shawshank we get two hours of sunlight <laughs> and then it's right back george bremer is going to join us around nine talk more of the colts head coaching search i've always referred to george as the most sane member on the colts beat anderson harold bulletin so he's going to join us here in a bit uh but let's get to the hoops from last night morning check down the Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll begin with the number one team in the land, the Boilermakers of Purdue. Now a seven-game win streak. They are 7-0 on the road. Somebody sent me a tweet and said, the thing about Purdue you got to realize is they've only beaten three teams in the Big Ten that are over 500 in the conference, which means that half of the teams that are over 500 in the Big Ten have been beaten by Purdue, and Purdue has done it against three of the four that they had the opportunity to do so. They also have beaten teams that are over 500 in four different conferences in the Power Five. But nonetheless, last night the latest win, 75-70 over the Wolverines of Michigan. Boilers now 20-1. and they are 9-1 in Big Ten play. Southern Indiana, by the way, over Eastern Illinois, 78-74. Stan Gerrard's guys now 13-9. Again, the support for Zach Eady last night. Really important for Purdue to get that, especially away from Mackey. The other big one last night down in Bloomington. The Indiana women get it done. They beat number 2 Ohio State with a huge third quarter, 78-65. It's the sixth win over a ranked team this season for Terry Morin. Here was Terry Morin looking ahead a little bit on how successful this season has been? Well, you know, I think the potential's there. Uh, we've seen it. Um, but I also know that, uh, you know, this is this can be a funny game, right? And, um, you know, if, if you're not ready night in and night out, um, 
you're always there's always a, you're always in jeopardy of, of um, you know uh, coming up short and um, you know as I mentioned um, we try to really be careful with um, just sort of keeping our, our heads down and keeping the noise out and um, just talking about what's next. Ten th- a little over 10,000 in the building last night. I was flipping back and forth, Jake. It, every time I turned, it seemed like just a terrific atmosphere. Totally agree. And I know a lot of students that um, went to the game because I think you get free admission to the women's games. But, you know, the, I think down in Bloomington, the word's gotten around the campus, right? Like, hey, these girls are good. Let's go watch them play. And, and people have enjoyed it. Kenzie Holmes with 26 last night for the Hoosiers. All right, tonight, Jake, over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, Pacers-Bucks. First time Giannis in the building this year. 6.30, our coverage will begin. We've mentioned it earlier, and I get that Milwaukee has is a really good basketball team. They have absolutely dominated the Pacers. They've won nine straight, all of them by at least nine points. They beat them by 13 a few weeks ago without Giannis or Chris Middleton. Sounds like both of them will be back in the lineup. On the injury front for the Pacers, doesn't sound like anything Tyrese Halliburton update-wise. So this was supposed to be the reevaluation date. Yesterday was technically. Uh, But again, Halliburton has mentioned maybe more the end of the month. Um, So... Next Thursday, Lakers. Next Friday, Kings. Maybe there. Uh, but Miles Turner listed as questionable with a right ankle injury. So the fact that he's not already ruled out, it's a good indicator that he avoided you know, a somewhat serious injury the other night in Orlando. Uh, last night in the association, by the way, it was the Knicks over the Celtics, 121-17. Pistons over the Nets, 130-122. Charlotte, Cleveland, Dallas, and the Clippers all getting wins as well. The Clippers, by the way, on a four-game win streak, got 35 from Paul George, 27 from Kawhi Leonard. And one more on the NBA front. We had the All-Star starters announced last night. In the East, Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, no Joel Embiid for the East starters. Out West, that is Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Zion Williamson, Nikola Jokic. The voting for that is a combination of media, players, and fans. Tyrese Halliburton was fifth among East guards, so the third reserve, if you will. Uh, He was voted third by the media, so the media thinks pretty highly of him. Sixth by players, eighth by fans. Next Thursday, we'll get the All-Star Reserves announced, and those are strictly voted on by coaches. Jake, with how Tyrese Halliburton plays the game of basketball, I think the coaches will think pretty highly of him and put him on the team. One would hope, right? The only thing that would hold him back seemingly would be, I guess, maybe the team or the market. Um, But one would hope that Tyrese Halliburton, I do think, yes, he is highly thought of, obviously, around the league. All-star game number 19, by the way, for LeBron James. Tying Kareem for the most. One other note from college basketball. Late last night, the news coming out. Uh, Condolences to the family, not that they're listening to this program, but of Billy Packer, who was an analyst for 34 straight Final Fours at both NBC and CBS. He was an Emmy Award winner in 1993 for Best Sports Analyst. Uh, Packer, who, of course, had played at Wake Forest, and coached at Lehigh, passing away at the age, or excuse me, his dad had coached at Lehigh. He passed away at the age of 82. If you are um, literally probably of my age group or even younger or older either side, uh, Billy Packer's voice was absolutely synonymous with the biggest games in college basketball. He passed away of kidney failure again at the age 
of 82. Jacob, show my age a little bit here, but he was probably one of the first names that I kind of remember as a broadcaster. And you know what? Some of I it think probably that's true, yeah, for a lot of people. Some of it probably had to do with you know the national title tips pretty late on those Monday nights, and you know, hey, can I stay up till halftime? Oh, totally. Hey, can yeah, I yeah. stay up a little bit later? And obviously, Billy Packer's voice a huge, huge part of that. Um, all right, when we come back, we'll get back into the Colts head coaching search. Update you there. Again, Dan Quinn pulling his name out of all searches around the league. The impact on that here in Indy. We'll explain more coming up next. And looking ahead to championship weekend. Eagles and 49ers. Some rooting interest there for the Colts on several levels. And then Bengals and Chiefs from Arrowhead on Sunday evening. Kevin Aquari, 93. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 5-107-5, the fan. I think tonight we need to head over to Richmond. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Find Jack Allen. You got a big game between Richmond and Muncie Central tonight. Well, what, 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 what's going on? I'm not there? sure that Jack Allen will be there, but he might be a fun guy to hang out with if we want to go see the game. Jack Allen, by the way, uh, this uh, <laughs> this is from a guy named Jeff Lane, who's a I think a reporter, maybe a radio reporter over in Richmond. Um, Jack Allen was arrested at Richmond's Walmart last night after climbing onto a motorized shopping cart getting a 12-pack and cracking open beer after beer while just simply cruising around the inside of the store. <laughs> Jack makes his own fun. Oh, man. I mean, hell, he should come and be the Pacers halftime show entertainment tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a guy. What kind of uh, beer do you think Well, probably Jack PBR. PBR? Oh, yeah. He had his own PBR party. Drink of choice. Do you I think, think he think... went cold or he just straight off the warm shelf and let's, <laughs> well, that's the let's thing. have at it? Can you buy cold beer at Walmart? Uh, that's, that's a good question. I can't do you say. Think he bought, can. Do you think he got a cooler and put it in the little motorized scooter and then was just yeah. whipping around? Don't mind me. Just I'll be turn three in May. I'm just getting a head start on this. <laughs> I mean. You guys are going to find this shocking. I've got to go close the blinds. The sun is just piercing in. On this Friday morning. It's, it's going to set in like an hour. Just <laughs> deal with it. Can you imagine living, by the way, in the... If you lived on the very eastern end of a time zone. Like, if you go to Milwaukee, the Bucks are in tonight at Gambridge Fieldhouse Chicago taking on the Pacers. Chicago, the same thing in Nashville. Like, we went to... You know, we go to Milwaukee every year right before Christmas. And you get up there, it's dark at like 4.30. Oh, yeah. My wife hated it when she lived... In Chicago. You leave work and it's pitch black. I mean, that would be rough, man. Another July topic. Let's get into a daylight savings time <laughs> debate. Uh, sounds like no more time for Dan Quinn on the head coach interview circuit. He was supposed to come to Indianapolis tomorrow for a second interview. Jake, when you saw this news, your initial reaction was what? I was a little bit surprised because... This is the natural cynic or pessimist in me, I guess. But there was a part of me that saw it as a slight to Indianapolis. And then where else did he go? Arizona? I think he had a second interview in Arizona. Maybe even Denver. However, he's been a head coach. He's been to the top because he went to the Super Bowl. I know he didn't win it, but still, he went to a Super Bowl. So 
part of me also wondered, you know what, maybe maybe some guys are just like, hey, I'm cool. Like, I mean, I'm still going to make, you know, probably a million dollars a year as a coordinator, a little bit more heat off of me. Do you look at it as any reflection on what is here? What, th- it, what would be attractive about this? Yeah, I, I think you could. I think if you wanted to make that argument or, or have that discussion, were you at the thanks. Richmond Walmart last night? <laughs> I was. I was with Jack running around. Um, I think if you wanted to do it that way, you could. If you wanted to look at it that way, but I will lean towards benefit of the doubt and simply say that he's a guy, perhaps that just thought, you know what, we in Dallas, there are some good pieces here, and there are so many factors, Kevin, that you just don't know about. I mean, I don't know how old his kids are, if he has kids. I don't even know. He might have a house he loves where he currently, you know, there are so many things that go into it. It certainly is peculiar, and it doesn't. it's not a great look that a guy would turn down a possible or remove himself from a possible head coaching search. But it wasn't like Indianapolis was the only team. You know, this wasn't a Josh McDaniels situation. Right. No, no, yeah, I don't put it anywhere close to that stock. Um, I do think it's worthy to note that for those that are looking for head coaching experience, for those that want that in the Colts' next head coach, your head coaching experience on the candidate list right now looks like this. Raheem Morris who was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from, what, 2009 to 2011, I want to say? So over a decade ago there. And Jeff Saturday. Seven games as an interim head coach. You got scares a lot of fans or no? What would be scary about it? Some thinking you've gone coordinator, coordinator. I mean, hell, I guess Caldwell falls into it too, but let's just stick with Pagano and Reich. You've gone coordinator higher in each of those two, right. not having head coaching experience. Do you feel like, again, making these 180s in these coaching highs? I think I, I, most people. I'm not as big into it, but I understand people that I are. think more people. I think people would rather have what is perceived to be. Coordinators are always the bit, you know. Coordinators are in the NFL what mid-major NCAA tournament run coaches are in college basketball. Like, that's the guy you got to get. That's the, oh, man, did you see this guy had an unbelievable run with Dayton? Or or look what they did in the tournament with Northern Iowa, and so now they're going to get a head coaching job, and then you kind of never hear from them again. And coordinators are kind of the same thing. They are seen as the glass is half full with this guy, whereas a guy who is – been a previous head coach, the glass is half empty. It's like, well, yeah, okay, but why didn't he do anything there? So I, I think, I think that is what gives people pause. It with with is is they want to avoid the quote unquote retread. You know what I mean? Someone's messaging me. I, I do like Raheem Morris. I'm telling you, which I I think you know, seeing Dan Quinn, seeing Ben Johnson do what they've done, it's a little bit of a dangerous game. I mean, just a year ago, Byron Leftwich was viewed as, oh yeah, he's definitely going to be a head coach. And then he just yeah. got fired in Tampa. Yeah. So it is a little bit of a dangerous game to play. Someone messaged me this earlier, Jake. Are you surprised that Jeff Saturday slash his agent has not leaked out like who a potential offensive coordinator would be? Or who a potential defensive coordinator would be. 
Like, could that, in the eye of public opinion... I'm not surprised by that, and I'll tell you why. Because what Intrigue. if it, what if it's not in step with what the Colts want? Like, if I'm Jeff Saturday, I'm probably under the guise of like, listen, if I get this head coaching opportunity, then we can discuss who, who to bring in as a you know. I'm playing it like, yeah, you know, I'll do whatever you need me to do because Jeff Saturday wants that job. If Jeff Saturday says, listen, I'm going to bring Dan Orlovsky and Herm Edwards, and then you know. Rex Ryan. Susie Colber on special teams and Rex Ryan, yeah, I mean, you know, then it may be easier for that. That may cross him off the list right there. So I, I, not to mention, I don't know that, I mean, Jeff Saturday surely has an agent, right? I mean the 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 interim hire for him though wasn't even necessarily and there was no agent negotiation that was a direct one on one conversation. How right? much do you think he got paid for those two months? A million bucks. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Which I, would be the reason why you're like, you know what, <laughs> I'll do this full time. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, I've gotten the question a lot: Is Frank Wright getting paid now by two organizations? Okay. Four-year deal in Carolina is, is the report there. He had, what, four years left here, right? Typically. So I knew a college basketball coach who had a big-time job. And a big-time job, like within a major Power 5 conference, full-time, multi-million dollar deal. And when that coach got let go... Still had like three years left on the contract. Had opportunity to coach at a couple of mid-majors at that point and declined out of spite to make sure that his buyout had to be paid in entirety by the team that had fired him. Meaning, I can't speak for the NFL, Kevin, but in coaching in college, oftentimes, a buyout in a contract is owed until the coach gets a gets compensation for a right. like job elsewhere, at which point it then only becomes the difference. So in other words, if Frank Reich, if this is true theoretically, and Frank Reich was owed how much per year by the Colts? Nine million. Nine million per year from the Colts. If Carolina is paying him five million a year, then that means the Colts are now only paying him four million. So they just have to make up yeah. the difference. Coaching contracts are weird in the NFL; they're not all the cookie cutter same. Right. So I, I, again, I don't know one hundred percent. And honestly, Jake, I, I don't really care too much, just because however, it's not like this impacts salary cap. Okay, but could it impact this? If Jeff, if Jim Irsay, let's say Jim Irsay fired Chris Ballard, thinking that everything was going to turn around instantly. And let's say Jim Mercer got impatient and said, you know what, it didn't turn around instantly, which means, uh, I'm sorry, let's say Jim Mercer fired Frank Reich, sorry. So Jim Mercer fires Frank Reich thinking things are going to turn around quickly. I'm going to get Jeff Saturday in here, we're going to find out things. And then let's say that Jim Mercer realized, wait a minute, things actually went even further south once I removed Frank Reich, so maybe the problem was the roster. But I'm still paying Frank Reich $9 million a year, so I had to make a decision. Maybe I made the wrong one, but I got rid of a guy. 
if he no longer now has to pay that amount to Frank Reich, does that accelerate his thinking of, okay, now I have the financial flexibility to rid myself of Chris Ballard also should I choose to do so? Yeah, I I hear you out. I don't think you can run the show like that, though. Well, I, I mean... Sure, I don't disagree with you. But. Yeah, I, I think it's more... And I e- don't think that Jim Mercer is Al Davis by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think he's Mark Davis. I don't think he's Jerry Jones. I don't. I think but he's I, more ego than finances. I think he is very reactionary. I think he really likes Chris Ballard. That may be. Yeah, that may be. But I guess what I was getting at is paying Frank Reich and paying another head coach... That ultimately just comes out of Jim Mercer's pocket. It's not like it's impacting the Colts' salary yeah, cap. It, well, and it's it, not. It's, it's not keeping you from. It ain't impacting Jim Mercer's salary cap. I mean, for crying out loud! And that's where I do think that Jim Mercer, uh, while I think his eccentricities are fun, interesting, and in most cases beneficial to the market, there are times where. For example, if the Colts' season goes south again and he continues to pay Chris Ballard and it's under, even if it, even if he doesn't say so, if it's under some sort of an understanding that it's a financial reason to keep people around, then that's all well and good, but people are going to get tired of hearing about spending $9 million on guitars because they're going to be like, wait a minute, you're, w- which is the priority here? And those are the little things that add up. This from Nick. If the Colts hire Jeff, are they canning for Arch Manning? No. Nope. Arch Manning kind is of a, not even eligible for three years. It does rhyme. It's kind of a new hashtag, though. Canning for Manning? Yeah. He, he's not eligible for three years. That is an eternity in the NFL. Eternity. George Bremer going to join us here in about 15 minutes. Going to Anderson Harrell-Bolton on the Colts' daily beat. Really respect George, and uh, hopefully he'll bring some good insight into what he has thought about the last, I guess now we're approaching three weeks since the season ended in this Colts coaching search. And we'll get into, again, championship weekend coming up on Sunday. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton, 93.5 on a 7.5. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Hey, Jim says, I would assume Jeff Saturday's coaches of coordinators are presently employed with other teams, so Jeff and his agent cannot let those names leak. Uh, I'm not. I I don't know. Tell me if you agree with this. Uh, Jeff Saturday in a second interview would have had to tell the Colts who his staff was going to be. Oh, without question. I mean, hell, he needs to do that in his first interview. Think so? Yeah, you got to present your grand vision. Uh, I guess. First interview is about getting to know all the other candidates. You know Jeff Saturday. You want to know what this grand vision is. But, but... You know, is Saturday Saturday's got to know who the Colts? Maybe he just says names that he thinks the Colts would want to hear. I, you know, but I don't don't think think Jeff Saturday was spending too much time on the rushing yards per game and the first quarter leads on the resume. I don't think that would have gone very far. I think you would need to quickly get to your organization is in utter dysfunction. This is my grand vision, and these are the people that I'm bringing in. I would be curious to know who he would say as offensive coordinator. Who would your guess be? Dan Orlovsky. You really do think so? 
Hell, I think Orlovsky was tweeting about it yesterday. Mentioned that he'd bring Wentz back. Scary thought to start your Friday morning. Uh, Ken wanted to talk about the relationship between the powers that be inside the Colts organization. Ken, good Friday morning to you. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you all doing today? Splendid. Yourself? Oh, fantastic. Getting ready for a big day of work. So. Hey, at least, at least <laughs> the sun's shining. But it's Friday and the sun's shining, yes. Cold as all. Get out out here, but... <laughs> I, you know, my, I, the whole last year just keeps replaying in my mind. And I go back to when you guys were really talking about to Ballard last year in press conferences about our offensive line, our wide receivers trying to get, you know, ask him what he was going to do about it. He told him you, you all needed to back off kind of heatedly and that he knew how to do his job <laughs> at the end of the season. Frank Reich and Chris Ballard get their asses handed to him uh, by Ursay. And I just wonder how much of that really played out throughout this season. Because Frank did not look like the same coach that he had been the year before. And the play calling was probably the worst I've ever seen in my life. So I just wonder how much damage had been done um, with some of those meetings with Ursay. I think, here's what I think happened. Thanks, Ken. Ken, I appreciate it. I think this is what happened. Kevin, you feel free to tell me if you disagree with this. I think that the Colts had some serious internal disciplinary and maturity problems. And they had players that were missing curfew, not doing some of the things that needed to be done, not focused into the point where you would most want it. And Jim Ursay felt like that was an indictment on Frank Reich and that Reich had lost the locker room and that there was no accountability from the coaching position. So they made a change. They brought in Jeff Saturday. Saturday tried his darndest to instill that via fines, suspensions, and even release of players. And the results still never changed, at which point that then shifted perhaps a little bit of the focus towards is it actually the problem of how the roster was built or the judgment of the character of the people that we're bringing in. And they won't know that for certain until they get a full-time coach in there that can then fully give them the barometer to assess that. And by that, I mean then evaluating Chris Ballard. Yeah, I think a big mistake that Jim Mercer has made here in his evaluation 2022 Colts is thinking that the roster is a lot better than it is. I think he said that that Monday night in November when Frank Reich was fired and Chris Ballard and Jeff Saturday were up there. I think he believes the personnel is in much better shape. And I know we've touched on it here and there throughout the week. Look at these final four teams. Look at the skill positions that these final four teams, all of them are infinitely better than the Colts. Better, deeper, more versatile, more potent, dynamic, whatever word you want to use. Um, the Colts offensively were one of the worst units you've seen in the NFL in years, and it was because your quarterback didn't support you and you didn't support your quarterback. The Colts have tried to skate by 
particularly at wide receiver and tight end, and then obviously offensive line rose up a little bit. But, you know, even a little bit of running back, you know, when you see these teams, there's multiple guys that they throw at you. I mean, the Naheem Hines saying didn't work out, and his usage, and to Ken's point, I think that was very odd to me. Um, when Jonathan Taylor went down, it was just kind of a patchwork group of, you don't really have dynamic threats out of the backfield as receivers. I think that is an issue, too. So uh, I think it's a mistake that Ursay doesn't view personnel as more of a serious issue. Here's an interesting question that, that I was just asked, and I don't want to um, sound like a jerk in my response because I'm going to be emphatic about this response, and I understand the question. I do. I appreciate it, and I respect it. Jake, what if Jeff Saturday is dropping Peyton Manning as a possible coach-slash-consultant? Zero chance. And the reason I say that, I I shouldn't say zero. We don't know behind closed doors what may be discussed. But number one, as I've mentioned before, if you look at what has happened to to Jeff Saturday's image and or legacy in Indianapolis within the Colts fan base in the last four months, then you see number one, Peyton Manning, who is the most conscientious of his image with a fan base of any athlete I have ever seen. That's reason number one why Peyton Manning, I'm sure, has no interest in coaching for the Colts. Number two, if if Peyton Manning was going to coach for the Colts, it's going to be as the head coach. Number three, if Peyton Manning is going to be a consultant, he's not going to be a consultant. He's going to be in the front office running the entire show. And number four, and most importantly, Peyton Manning's got a pretty cush life right now. He's doing what he wants to do. He's having fun with the Omaha Productions. He's doing the Manning cast. He's He is able to... Peyton Manning has options. Not that Jeff Saturday didn't, who does a great job at ESPN, but Peyton Manning has options. And so, I, I'm just telling you, Peyton Manning is not going to come to Indianapolis to be standing on the sidelines with a headset working with Jeff Saturday. If Peyton Manning is ever going to work in the NFL, Jake, for a team, he's going to do it with ownership stake, and he's going to do it as team president. Correct. Could never see him. Coaching. Let's sneak Ray in before we get to George Bremer. What's up, Ray? Hey, Kevin. How are you? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Hey, uh, quick question. You've been on the inside a little bit. Is there an establishment in the NFL like Cower and the guys that came out so angry against the uh, Saturday hiring? And because of that, is that keeping a lot of the top level coaches from showing an interest in Indiana? in uh, Indianapolis? Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, I, I think there is a lot of anger towards the Colts and Jim Mersey and how they've handled it. Again, Jake, at the end of the day, there's just 32 of these. Right. So I don't want to act like everyone's going to be all high and mighty and, oh, we got to stick with the fraternity and, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I do think the con list for taking the job here is probably a little bit longer than it is in other places of these five openings right now. Um, And I would say that is one of the reasons. I don't think it's incredibly high on the list, um, but I do think if you're weighing two openings, it could be a reason why you would all, you know, want to go down the other path than come here to Indianapolis. Carolina and Arizona right now, I mean, Carolina just made a hire, obviously. Arizona is a better job than the Colts for this reason. It's in the NFC. I mean, to begin with, let's just start there. It's in the NFC. You're not having to go through Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. That's a good point. Justin Herbert. 
and Patrick Mahomes to get to the Super Bowl. Like, it's a bit of a golden age for quarterbacks in the AFC, Jake. Unbelievable. But it's the 20-year-old golden age. Not the 30-year-olds like you had with right. Manning, Brady, right. Roethlisberger, Rivers. That's the scary aspect to it all. Speaking of that golden age, we'll talk some conference championships coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Give out our picks to round out the show. George Brimmer joins us next from the Anderson Harrah Bolton to chat about the Colts. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. It is 9 o'clock in Indianapolis. Technically speaking, it's 9 o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query, Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear on this program. Mark Dykton manning the controls for us. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Joining us now on, on. the Payless Sigurds Hotline. What are you yelling at me, Mark? What, what, what I had to call him back. It was very staticky. I'm calling him back. <laughs> Kevin, that was a that was that might be the best intro I've had all week. No, that was smooth delivery, everything. Nine o'clock on a Friday, but yeah, Mark. <laughs> I, Mark, I waited literally. I, I thought Mark, Mark did announce. I'm going to call him back because of the static. <laughs> we work 15 hours a week together. I waited until hour 15 to really nail it. Right? Do you want to restart that? Thanks. Yeah, sure. That's not a bad idea. No, from the top, please. Okay. Uh, 9 o'clock hour in Indianapolis. How are you? Technically speaking, it's 9 o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Quarry. Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear on this program. Mark Dykton is um, just kind of abruptly jerking the wheel and hitting the brake pedal for us oh, while manning Terminology, the Terminology, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said the wheel, Mark. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Sugars Hotline, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so, uh, George Bremer joins us. I always get confused if it's the Anderson Herald Bulletin or Bulletin Herald. Harold Bolton. Harold Bolton. Right, George? Right, Harold Bolton. Okay. Got it. Got it. I always refer to George as the most sane member by of the, the way, beat, by the way. By the way, uh, Anderson High School tonight, they need somebody to do the public address for the JV and varsity basketball games. It is a paid gig. Oh, look at uh, that. George, if you'd like to do it, send me a text. Or if anybody else would like to, they know my telephone number. Send me a text and... Uh, we will get you up to doing the game tonight for Anderson basketball. George, uh, your opinion right now, The I'll go two. In your opinion, the two front runners for the Colts head coaching job are who? Well, I mean, one of them's got to be Jeff Saturday. We all know that. Um, when, the, when the owner's in your corner, you know, it's a pretty good, pretty good weapon to have. Uh, outside of that, it's really hard to say. It, it's been such – there's been so much – of a lockdown right now on the search. I mean, I don't think Chris Ballard has let, let anything out on his end. I'm the only other name that I've really heard uh, at all, as far as, you know, interviewing well and, and them having a lot of interest in is Raheem Morris. So I'll go with him right now. I'll go with Saturday and Morris. George, what about this weekend? Names that you're curious about. Again, D'Amico Ryans from San Francisco. We know that he can't talk with the Colts. He has not yet talked with the Colts. Um, but he can't until their season's over. So if you want interest in D'Amico Ryan's cheer for the Eagles, uh, Eagles offense coordinator Shane Steichen, Bengals OC Brian Callahan, Kansas City OC Eric Bieniemy. who intrigues you out of those four? Yeah, I think Callahan, you know, his history with quarterbacks has been well documented. 
I think a lot of people have talked a lot about that since he's kind of come on the radar. I was surprised he didn't get more interest than he did. You know, the fact that the Colts are really the only head coach interview he got, it was a little bit surprising to me. Um, his dad was an offensive line coach, still is an offensive line coach in the NFL. Uh, I think that is an interesting element for him, given you know the importance of improving that unit here in, in Indy. I think he would be in a unique position to, to kind of affect the offense as a whole, you know, not just bring, you know, grooming a young quarterback and, and kind of getting him up in, in the swing, but also, you know, really understanding that, that offensive line element. Uh, the other guys be enemy just because it's been real quiet. I mean, we didn't even know he was interviewing. He was one of the guys that uh, the, the Jim Ursay tweet was the first time that, you know, we knew they had requested him. Uh, and you haven't heard a whole lot since. But in the last day or two, there's really been a lot more reporting that he's a serious contender here. And obviously, the enemy's been a head coaching candidate now since, I think, 2019. Uh, so he's another guy. The work that he's done out there with Patrick Mahomes, it would be interesting to see him paired with a rookie quarterback. Let's stay there for a second. And George Bremer, who covers the Colts from the Anderson Hair Bolts and is with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, if I'm looking for Chris Ballard connections with these candidates, you could point to Dan Quinn, probably a little bit more of an Ed Dodds connection, who's the right-hand man to Chris Ballard, but I think Dan Quinn would have been one of those guys, but we know he no longer is interested. The two that I would put most of having background with Ballard would be the name you just brought up, Eric Bieniemy, and also Rich Bisaccia the special teams coordinator in Green Bay, most recently before that, the interim with the Raiders. There's Raiders connections on the Colts staff. There's a Rod Marinelli connection that Chris Bauer is very, very close with. So Biennemi and Basaccia, should we be putting a little bit more stock maybe into those names, George, if we're trying to find the Ballard-specific connection? I mean, you know that he's got more of an opportunity to do his homework to get all the info he needs on those two guys than, than probably anybody else in this search. You know, I mean, he, like you mentioned, you, you got Ron Marinelli, who he respects as well as anybody in the league, uh, who he can call right now and, and learn anything he needs to learn about Basaccia, not to mention his entire defensive staff, right, who were there with him uh, last year in Vegas when, when they made that amazing run and, and almost or did make the playoffs. I think Basaccia is the, the only interim coach ever to, to do that. Uh, to make playoffs during his reign. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's kind of a, a stealth candidate here. And then the enemy, um, you know, if there is anybody that, that Ballard respects more than Rod Marinelli, it, it might be Andy Reid. And so I would imagine any question he has about why the enemy hasn't gotten a job before this and what his real duties are over there, Chris Ballard's going to have that info from probably several angles. So I think that always helps, right? I mean, the better you know a candidate, the more comfortable you are uh, in bringing them in and, and making the hire. George Brimmer is our guest. He's on the Payless Stickers Hotline. He is with CNHI Sports Indiana. Technically speaking, he's the executive editor, but also the Colts beat writer and editor for the Herald Bulletin in Anderson. George, is there any way... Anyway, the Colts go anywhere but quarterback in the draft. And if so, is that because they're going to do another run at a veteran quarterback? And it's, it's hard to imagine them going down that road again. But after the season that, that we just went through and, and all of us witnessed, I'm not going to say never on anything. Uh, I think we've, we've seen you know that, that all options are on the table. 
but after the the way this carousel has spun, and I know you're going to hear Aaron Rodgers' name and Derek Carr's name and maybe Lamar Jackson. We'll see how all that plays out in Baltimore. But uh, outside of Jackson, who, who's really still a very young quarterback, and you could make a really good case that, that he would be here for 10 to 12 years, their their goal has got to be to, to, to get off this ride. I mean, I think more than anything else, outside of the head coach situation this offseason. And really, Chris Ballard made reference to it in that postseason uh, presser that, that he did, that, you know, if there's one thing that he really regrets, it's it's not being able to kind of solidify this quarterback spot and, and really kind of let this team start moving forward in one direction. Um, but, you know, I, we also know that he's a guy that, that's very – strong in his convictions and so if there's not a quarterback out there in this draft that he feels like is either a worth trading up for or b you know worth that number four overall pick we know that he will go in a different direction and and he will stay with you know what he believes in in his evaluations george bremer's with us again the most sane member of the colts beat um, is how I refer to George. Appreciate his time here on this Friday morning. George, I want to go back to Bienemy for a second here and think, you know what? The Colts have interviewed a lot of candidates. Could they hire a couple of these candidates? One to be the head coach, of course, and what about a coordinator? Um, honestly, Ajero Evero would fall into that group as well. Could he be a defensive coordinator candidate here if you hire more of an offensive-minded head coach? But focus on Bienemy. There's some reason why he's not getting a job. And I would say part of that is because people look at him in Kansas City and think, oh, that's all Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Would he want to leave there, get a chance to run the offensive show? Like, let's say they hire Raheem Morris or Evero as their defensive coordinator, and they need more of an offensive guy, kind of the opposite of what Matt Eberflus was for Frank Reich. Could enemy be in play as an offensive coordinator and saying, I've got to get out of Kansas City to further my or build my resume more to be an attractive head coaching candidate? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'd say if I'm the most sane member of the beat, it's really kind of scary yeah, for our beat. That's probably a fair uh, bet. <laughs> but uh, absolutely, I, I think that, that you could see them hire multiple guys out of, out of this cycle. I mean, I think it's part of the reason that the, the net is so wide. You're trying to, to get a lot of ideas from guys who have done good things in this league. You know, I, I think you've seen teams, not to this extent, but you've seen teams do that every offseason, bring in uh, some coaches just with the idea of picking their brain and finding out you know, how they do the things that they do. Uh, but the enemy is taking some other offensive coordinator interviews. I know around the league. He's, he's yeah, one of Tennessee. The I saw. Yeah. Tennessee. I think Washington. Um, there, I thought there's at least three that, that he's in the mix for. So I think it comes down to exactly what you were talking about with him. You know, people look at, at his candidacy over the years. They look at what Andy Reid's done and look at how unique Patrick Mahomes is. And I think there is benefit in on the enemy side and getting away from that situation, calling his own offense, doing it in another town, doing it for another franchise, uh, and, and that might boost his candidacy down the road. I think he would definitely be interested uh, in the right situation in doing that. And his contract's up in Kansas City. I think that's a, another unique uh, thing for him. You know, this this is it for him as far as his deal goes. He's a free agent. Uh, as soon as their season ends. So, you know, I think he's definitely in play. I would think Evero is, as you mentioned, he's a really young coach. I think this is his first year as a coordinator. 
Uh, obviously, Denver's going through a, a staff change there, and if recent reports are true and D'Amico Ryans is sort of emerging as the favorite out there, maybe he's going to want to move on as well and not necessarily run the defense for a defensive head coach. Uh, and then I think Basachi is on that list as well. You know, I, I don't know uh, what his status is right now in Green Bay, but you know, he's another guy that you would think you would have interest in if he has interest in, in, in moving over. Uh, you know, to run the special teams if they're not able to retain Bubba Ventrell. George Brimmer is our guest. George, is it possible? Kevin and I have talked about this. I mean, I've brought this up a couple times this week, so I want your perspective on it. Um, is it in any way, shape, or form possible that Jeff Saturday was brought in in his interim stint under a different criteria than most coaches and that, in fact, Jim Irsay may have been sold on a job that Jeff Saturday was doing because it came with different expectation than simply wins and losses, despite Saturday saying it's a wins and losses game. I mean, anything's possible. And and that was such an odd hiring to begin with. I mean, I I don't think we've ever seen anything like it in the modern NFL era where where you brought in somebody midseason who wasn't with the team, you know, in training camp, who hadn't been around the franchise, like, on a daily basis uh, in, what, 10, 11 years at the time that he came in, uh, walked into the door. I know he was a consultant, but it's not like he was at practice, uh, in the building, you know, making decisions on a daily basis. Uh, and coming out of the TV booth like that, I, it's just never been done before. Um, I, I just think the only the only thing that gives me pause that that the win loss record wasn't a big part of it was just how giddy Jim Mercy was at, at that introductory press conference. I mean, he really believed that that Saturday had a chance to turn that season around, and and he was selling that, uh, you know, full go. Now, were there other elements involved in that too? Was it you know, hey, the the best possible outcome is that this is a Rich Bisaccia situation, and 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 you lead the Colts to the playoffs. And, you know, that, that's the, the number one goal. But were there other, uh, you know, criteria in there? I think that's certainly possible. It's at GM Bremer, B-R-E-M-E-R on Twitter. George Bremer covers the Colts for the Anderson Harrow Bolts and is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. George shifting gears to Frank Reich in Carolina. Uh, let's say Carolina Radio, you know, calls you up today and wants to get your insight on Frank Reich. Um the biggest selling point you would make to encourage Panthers fans and then maybe the biggest question you would have about Frank Wright getting another chance? Yeah, I think the biggest selling point for him is just sort of the, the way that he was able to steer the ship through, you know, stormy waters. Some of the things that, that he dealt with here, the Andrew Luck retirement, obviously uh, an unprecedented situation. Uh, you know, people tend, tend to forget uh, just you know, it wasn't just the quarterback carousel. There, there was a lot of upheaval uh, throughout the entire time of the year. It felt like almost every year that he was here, there, there was some sort of crisis or off-the-field situation going on that, that they had to look into. Uh, I think Edwin Jackson, he walked into the building right after uh, you know Edwin Jackson had died on, on Super Bowl Sunday, I believe. Uh, just things that, that head coaches in general – don't have to deal with you know in the five years that he was here uh so many things where he had to be almost like a counselor on top of being a head coach uh, and i think he always was you know he was always the same guy through it all 
but he always, every time he came to the podium after one of these things had happened, and, and there was a sense in the franchise that these were heading in the wrong direction or, you know, the, the bottom was falling out, uh, except for really this season, almost every time he came to the podium, he had this calm, reassuring manner about him. You know, he used to be a pastor. I think that came into play during that. He would get done talking, and you would have a sense of it, it's going to be all right. There's a plan. They're going to find a way to move forward. I think that's something that, you know, the NFL, it's all about adversity. And I think Frank has done a really good job and has proven through his career he's as good as anyone at handing, handling those moments when they come up. I think if, if there's a knock, uh, and you've heard it, I think, a lot since, since he left, since, since he was fired, sometimes I think he's a little too loyal to some of the players. You know, he, can be, he can be a player's coach to a fault in the sense that uh, if you listen to a lot of players in that locker room, even some of the assistant coaches uh, you know, off the record, that maybe he wasn't always as willing to call out, you know, the, the top-of-the-line guys, the best of the best, as you need to be probably to win in this league. So we'll see. In your second stop, you know, is that one of the things that you learn from, from your first go-round and it improves you moving forward? Or is that something that's just a part of his personality and, and he's always going to, you know, struggle with that area? All right, George, I'm trying to build a Frank Wright coaching staff. Um, out of some of the names in Indy, I want you to rank these three, one to three, one being most likely to go with Frank Reich to Carolina. Um, in no certain order, but obviously I want you to rank them. Gus Bradley, Bubba Ventrone, Reggie Wayne. Uh, I think of those three, I think Bubba is right at the top. I mean, I think those two are really close. I think that's something that you know Frank really brought Bubba in here to begin with. Uh, and, and they really just seemed to be tight throughout that entire run. I know there was a lot of talk that, you know, Bubba should have been the interim coach. Uh, a lot of people look at him as a future head coach, and I think he'll be really interested going. Reggie, obviously, only came here uh, because of, of Frank Reich, and I think he has made that very clear, uh, you know, through his time here. It took, what, four years to finally convince him, uh, but I think that it, it, he would be a guy who would be very excited about rejoining Frank Reich uh, if he wants to continue coaching, I think that's the big question with Reggie. Uh, is he ready, you know, to just get on that that boat again in Miami and you know put his feet up and and maybe put on a, a gold jacket uh, and and you know be done with, with the coaching element? We'll see. I think Gus. It's hard to say. They had no connection before this year, uh, but it did seem like you know they really clicked. Uh, and I think that it, it's going to be an interesting off season around the league in terms of, I think there's, what, 10 offensive coordinator positions that were open. Um, defensive side doesn't seem to be quite as competitive, but there were five head coaching spots. So, you know, there, there's going to be a battle there as well. And I think that connection is something that, that could definitely hook up again, but I would rank them in that order. Is it possible, though, that Reggie Wayne could be talked into staying if Jeff Saturday's hired because that's a former teammate? And he is under contract, by the way. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. I think Reggie, you know, when last time we talked to him, he mentioned he's got one year left on his deal. He looked at this as a two-year deal. Uh, and if they want him back, he'd be glad to be back. Uh, it's just, you know, there's just so much in flux there. You know, uh, George, let me ask you this. I, one thing that I, I don't think that we've necessarily gotten into, and I, have, I, I don't know this answer, so I'm going to ask either of the two of you guys. Uh, was Reggie Wayne good? Was he a good wide receiver so. coach? Do we have any way of knowing that? It's hard to know for sure, uh, especially the way this season went. And and I'll defer to Kevin on on this one as well because uh, he was there and 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 
you know, knew the expectations and uh, watched all the same training camp practices that I did. Uh, but I, I felt like if, if you looked at how young this receiving group was and how inexperienced they were, you know, I thought Alec Pierce made some strides. Paris Campbell made some strides. Uh, probably Michael Pittman didn't have quite the numbers that, that, that you would have wanted from him this year, but there was a lot that went into that. I think all in all, I thought Reggie did a good job. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think talent-wise, it's it's really bottom-bottom quartile, if I can go there. And I thought Reggie got them to be a little bit above that. And again, I think for a Hall of Fame-type talent, I think Reggie Wayne carries himself in a way that would make him a good coach. I've said this before. He is a Hall of Fame talent, and he's not blessed with Calvin Johnson's size and speed. Like he he had to do a lot, you know, on his own to get to be the level that he was, which I think makes him um, a good coach. George, before we let you go, let's get a, a Super Bowl pick from you. The final four will be what as a final two? You know, I'm feeling like the Bengals and the Eagles. We'll see, but I'm I'm going Cincy and Philly. I like it, George Bremer. Great stuff, man. Have a great weekend. Thanks a lot, guys. The great George Bremer right there. Just a good, good dude and always enjoy chatting with George. So thankful for his time on this Friday morning. Philly and San Francisco is intriguing. That game can go either way. I mean, obviously both of them can, but Cincinnati has had kind of Kansas City's number. Can they do it again in Arrowhead? Yeah, three in a row, right? Yeah. And again, different games. Jamar Chase went off in the first one. Great defense last year in the NFC title or the AFC title game. And then really just kind of a back and forth game this year. Obviously, the Mahomes health is a huge question. But man, I just I love Cincinnati's depth at the skill group. And if you can just commit enough to limiting Kelsey, you're really gonna make one of those kind of other Kansas City wideouts have to step up. I mean, you're not kidding about the skill group for Cincinnati in particular. I mean, T. Higgins would be a number one wide receiver a lot of places. Doesn't have great separation speed, but, man, he catches everything. Tyler Boyd's a really good player. Yeah. Samaji P. Ryan stepped up when they didn't have Mixon earlier this year. Again, Mixon out for a couple games, won both. Jamar Chase, I think, was out for four games. They went 3-1 and one in those four. Then again, on the other side of things with Kansas City, I mean, it goes without saying uh, – the talent that they have, but the number of times I wish I had a dollar every time I watched the Chiefs play for the times that I thought a play or a drive was over and then Travis Kelsey slips in the middle and gets a 12-yard gain. And Mahomes just keeps it a little bit alive a little bit longer. That's exactly right. You know what? I mean, Jacksonville was right there. If Agnew doesn't fumble late in that game... It's quite impressive, honestly, I think what Kansas City has done without Tyree Kill because I don't think they found just the consistency from that receiver group um, on this level, on this level. Um, but we'll find out, of course, on Sunday. We'll give our picks to round out the show. It's Freebie Friday for the Pop Quiz, 317-239-1070. Yesterday was uh, quite the performance from Jeffrey on the Pop Quiz. <laughs> We had several people reach out throughout the day. I couldn't care less about the team struggling. <laughs> yeah, that's what he was that. Now, I can't remember. Did Jeffrey say that he knew people related to me or he was related to me? He knew the queries. But somebody said that he said that he was related to me. He knew the queries, and I was skeptical at the start, but then after seeing his academic performance, <laughs> well, that performance they left no doubt. the pop quiz, I go, no oh my doubt. God. But that, was he that was saying, Jake and Lawrence. Hold on. Did he say he was related to the queries, or he knew people, knew people that were related to the queries? He said, I know some queries. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some people Boy, were saying he. that 
Some people were saying that he said he was related to me. Yeah. Well, after that performance, again, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at the next family reunion. 1,000%. You guys act like uh, that it's taken me... I, I don't know whether to be offended or not that you act like it's taken me 32 years to finish college. Yeah! <laughs> it's time for a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, it's not often you get to the midway point of a Big Ten schedule and you have a team undefeated on the road. That is what Purdue has done this year. 9-1 overall in the Big Ten, 6-0 on the road. They beat Michigan 75-70 last night. And when you're this good and your resume is this impressive, you're just kind of looking for other ways to win games. I thought last night was one of those. Zach Eady, 19-9. Fine night, but not what we're used to from Eady. The other guys stepped up for Purdue, in particular their bench. Great performances. And do that away from home, that's an important step for trying to make a tournament run. Fletcher Lawyer with 17. Braden Smith with 10. Boilers now 20-1, 9-1 in the Big Ten. Women's side of things. The Purdue women winning at number 22, Illinois, but the big story last night in women's college basketball. Congratulations to Indiana. Terry Moran's group winning at home over number two, Ohio State. So the Hoosiers now sixth ranked in the country. They are 19-1, 78-65 over the Buckeyes last night. Looking ahead to this weekend, by the way, Indiana hosting Ohio State. You want to talk about a disappointing team this year in the Big Ten? You're talking about men's side, right? Yes, men's yeah. side, sorry. Um, that The Buckeyes. Yeah. Um, a lot of close losses, but I think they've lost like six of seven. Purdue has got Michigan State on Sunday in that one. Uh, tonight, over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it'll be Giannis and company. Uh, the, I believe it's Notre Dame Pacers hat night, by the way, for Pat Connaughton. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you need me to pick you up one? Well, I was hoping for about seven or eight. <laughs> if, you, if you don't mind. I'm sent over, sure. Um, it'll be Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and company. Unlike two weeks ago when these teams played and the Bucks won that by 13, uh, Giannis and Middleton should be on the floor for tonight. For the Pacers, looks like Tyrese Halliburton's absence will continue. Miles Turner, though, questionable, which good news on that end because obviously at the trade deadline, just individually, he matters a whole lot. But uh, right ankle, it's not the same ankle that he injured in uh, on opening night in warm-ups. The Bucks have won nine straight in this matchup, 13 of Nine 14. times. Scotty's walked in. It means it's pop quiz time, right? Seven and a half point underdog, the Pacers, for tonight. Yes, indeed. Scotty looks like uh, he's going to game four of the 2000 finals right now. <laughs> Do you have your black socks on? Look at that. Is your head shaved? Well, it's shaved more than it was. Yeah, Scotty got a haircut. He looks Headed like he's ready Nora. for Market Square Arena. Now, Scotty, since you've moved, do you still go to the same barbershop in Nora? Yes. Okay. Well. Scotty, I thought the pop quiz Loyalty. was a rather tame for the for a Friday. Yeah, it is. It's not bad. Yeah, I, I really don't think it's too bad at all. Four was a little odd, but... After yesterday's fine performance, I was hoping for a challenging quiz. We can only go up from yesterday, right? <laughs> we'll do the pop quiz next here, Kevin and Corey. Study. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Yeah. 
Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Jake, uh, before we get to the Pop Quiz, Maddie was asking me last night about like, oh, what do you think about Frank Wright going to Carolina? And, you know, boy, if he does well there, isn't that going to be bad on the Colts? I, are you one that will like, ho- like hyper-analyze that? I, I, I'm not one that will be like, Oh my gosh, Frank Reich's winning in Carolina. He never should have been fired here. I think at, at times there was a need for... At times there's needs to split. And I yeah. think the Colts and Frank Reich need a split. No, I think that's fair. I, I think most people would see it that way. Of Although I do think a lot of people find it... What's the word I'm looking for? Maybe ironic? That's probably the, an Alanis Morissette definition of it. But I think there are a lot of people that eye roll the fact that Frank Reich gets fired by the Colts, and then gets hired elsewhere before the Colts even replace him. He's the very first coach off the board. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just think the message and tone got a tad stale. Colts at Panthers, 2023. Yeah. I was hoping it would be reversed. I was hoping Frank mm-hmm. would be back here. But yeah, Colts at Panthers next year. All right. Jake, you got a number? One through um, eight? There are four teams left in the NFL playoffs, so we'll go with four. Numero quattro. KC Steve. KC Steve. Steve. And this is like KC the letters? I think this, like is, Chiefs fan, this is Chiefs fan no, Steve, isn't it? Kansas City Steve. Kansas City Steve. Yeah, you're the Chiefs fan, right? Yes, sir. How you guys doing? Steve, how are we feeling for Sunday? A little nervous, my man. A little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> like good nerves? Like, you know, this... Uh, we are there for five times. Yeah, good nerves, but nervous. Okay. Now, right. Steve, Steve, by the way, is uh, a... A wonderful adopter of, in my opinion, the absolute poster child, coolest uh, non-Kobe and Joey Walsh division rescue dog, Milton. Milton's fired up for the game. He wears his Chiefs collar, correct? Correct, sir. It's on right now. (laughs) What's Milton thinking about the game, you think? Uh, he's, he's a little nervous, too. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Steve, what's your biggest, like, storyline X factor for the game? Uh, Patrick Mahomes' ankle. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure, sure. It looked like he was moving around all right this week. I didn't see any yeah, boot on it or good. anything. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I do think Mahomes can kind of offset that with just how crazy of an arm he has. All right, Steve, good luck on this freebie Friday, and more importantly, probably for you, good luck on Sunday. Uh, Steve, would you like for me, that would be Jake, to lead you off with question number one, or will you opt for Kevin to get you underway? Uh, Jake, let's fire it up. Let's see what happens. All right, here we go. Uh, Steve, LeBron James was selected for his 19th NBA All-Star game yesterday, tying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most All-Star game selections in NBA history. With whom was LeBron tied for second place? Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Dirk Nowitzki, or Kevin Garnett? I will tell you that same franchise. I will say that's Kobe Bryant then. Okay. All right, number two, Steve. Frank Reich has a new gig as he was named the head coach of the Panthers yesterday. Name the last Panthers head coach to have a winning record in his first season with the team. A, Ron Rivera, B, John Fox, C, George Seifert, or D, it's never happened? I think George Seifert. They go to the uh, NFC title game in year two of their existence? Yeah. Jacksonville was the same Was Jacksonville the same way? Yeah, everything was set up back then for the expansions to immediately be good, right? Uh, Steve, you want another guess at that? 
Let's try maybe John Fox. Okay. You know what? Maybe the third time will be the charm, Steve. How about one more? Ron Rivera. <laughs> okay. Is Jeffrey on line the three? The fact that he remembered the names right there is pretty know, good. Oh, yeah. All right, Steve, here we go. On this day in 1969, the Pittsburgh Steelers named Chuck Knoll as the team's head coach. They have only had two cents. Name them. Uh, Mike Tomlin and Bill Cowher. Okay, there we go. Number four, Super Bowl 25. Steve was played on this day in 91 with the Giants edging the Bills 20 to 19 when the infamous Scott Norwood pushed a 47-yard field goal attempt wide right on the game's final play. Was Frank Reich the holder? Well, that's a good question. How do the Giants take their final lead in the game? Was it a Matt Barr field goal? Otis Anderson touchdown run or Jeff Hostetler TD pass or TD run by Hostetler? Let me take a second. I, we know the Otis Anderson touchdown run. Okay. Last one for you, Steve. By the way, Steve, because Milton is the coolest rescue dog, would you you agree, Steve, because you are a doting dad of Milton, that rescue dogs are the way to go? They absolutely know that you rescued them, don't they? Oh, absolutely. 100. Yeah. How long you had Milton? Uh, he's like 11. We've had him for nine years. Wow. Great. That's a hell Milton's run. the coolest, man. Good for you, Steve. Um, all right, Steve, question number five. Purdue improved to 20-1 with their win over Michigan last night. They are the third team this season to reach 20 wins. Can you name one of the other two teams in college basketball this year with 20 wins? I will tell you one of them. Great vacation spots for both. That is correct. One of them is a college near Fort Sumter, and the other one is coached by an Indiana native, if I'm not mistaken. I'll take uh, uh, Houston. That is a really good guess. Really good guess. I'm going to go with one more guess, Steve. Um... Think of a college for a, the college of a quaint southern South Carolina city on the water. Uh, on the water. Uh, right off of Fort Sumter. Fort Sumter. South Carolina. It's a city. Colonial city of South Carolina. Uh, <laughs> Columbia. Okay, not a bad guess. All right, let's see how he did. Number one, with whom was LeBron tied for in second place in All-Star Game appearances, or I should say nominations, I guess, until last night? Uh, Kobe Bryant. Yes! He was correct, by the way. Totally nailed it with Bill Cowher and Mike Tomlin. Loud and proud. However, it was not an Otis Anderson touchdown. It was a Matt Barr field goal, and... The Carolina Panthers have never had a coach with a winning record in their first season. And College of Charleston and Florida Atlantic are the two schools with 20 wins. But, Steve, it's a freebie Friday. You're already a winner. Best of luck to your Chiefs over the weekend and give Milton a pat for us. Stay on the line. Absolutely stay on the line. Milton is the coolest. Steve, thank you for that. You're a complete loser. (laughs) Well, it uh, it was fun while it lasted. I had a feeling you might have one more cooked up there, Mark. Oh, you want another one? I can give you another one. I want to kiss you. I couldn't care less about the team struggling. I want to kiss you. Thanks, Joe. Yeah! Huge compliment. Yeah. You might go with the, In my opinion, that sucked. The Yah Roseman, you know, and kiss my ass or kiss oh, yeah. your ass. Do we or, have that one? Know.
That one I don't have saved. Yeah, Robbie. Pe- there uh, were people that were like kind of offended by that, apparently. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Is that where we are right now? I just laughed. All right. One final time here. Kevin and Corey to close out the week. We'll look at Championship Sunday coming up and give some picks for Eagles and 49ers and Chiefs and Bengals. 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. So allow me to ask this to you, Kevin Bowen. If you were to enjoy for Super Bowl Sunday, let's say if if during the Super Bowl you could only serve food that was indigenous to the two Super Bowl participants, which oh. two teams would you be rooting for this weekend? Well, I might have to put that on Twitter. That's a darn good question, isn't it? The pick that I have would bring a nice Philly cheesesteak, which would be great for me. Um, I love that. I do like a good taco dip while I'm watching a game. Can I call Skyline Chili a taco dip? If you'd like. I'll go there. Barbecue is a little bit too much for a game. I want I want to be a little bit more snacky, which I guess Philly cheesesteak's more of a meal. What what am I getting in San Francisco? Clam chowder, lobster rolls. I was gonna say napa well, wine, sourdough bread, a sourdough sourdough bold clam chowder, right? Maybe some wine from Gar- Napa. Ghirardelli chocolates. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good question. Where would you be going? The Philly steak and cheese are pretty good. And by the way, Hoagies and Hops at Forty Seventh and Boulevard has. I mean, it's completely decked out. It's it's like walking into Philadelphia. Yeah, it's a great really spot. Food. Um, so I would probably take the Philadelphia steak and cheese over the clam chowder, although the clam chowder is pretty good. I would definitely take Kansas City barbecue over Skyline Chili. Oh, without question. I'm always nervous what's in the Skyline Chili. Brown sugar. Even more reason to pass it by, Kev. Yeah. All right, what favorite is the exact outcome for the Super Bowl? Two outcomes are the exact favorite. So I need the teams and the result of the Super Bowl. You have two different outcomes that are the favorite right now in Vegas. Okay. So teams and then who will win between those two teams in the Super Bowl. I will say the the odds right now. We got two atop the list and two at the bottom. So we'll, let's start at the top. The favorite. So the favorite, the matchup and the winner? Correct. Cincinnati and Philadelphia with Cincinnati winning. And the other one? The other, I'm saying this is the least? No, there's there, there's co-favorites. So there's okay. two atop the list. You said Bengals um, over Eagles, and the other one is? Chiefs over Eagles. Boom. And at the bottom? I guess you'd probably just... Reverse it a bit. Yeah. Niners. The bottom would be Niners over 
Yeah, Niners. Chiefs. Well, yeah, Niners over Bengals. Niners yeah. over Chiefs. It, what what you get at in this because the odds are not very big. That this is, and I've mentioned all week long. This is the closely predicted AFC NFC championship games we've had in years, decades. So after what we had to witness during the divisional round, which I thought was not a lot of entertainment, I hope it lives up to it this weekend. I think it should be two really good games, don't you? Yeah, I mean, again, the hottest teams. I mentioned that ESPN stat earlier in the week. Since November, Burrow is ten and zero as a quarterback. Brock Purdy is seven and zero. Mahomes is ten and one, and Jalen Hurts is eight and one. And Mahomes has lost us to Burrow. I just think that the Cincinnati streak against Kansas City is what, like, where Kansas City Steve should be feeling some relief. Because That's my teams, one worry about two picking teams Cincinnati. that good. Yeah, I mean, what are the odds, right? And I do feel like, and I don't know, we'll we'll find out on Sunday. I do feel like Mahomes looks a little bit better than I thought he would look at this point, based on that ankle. I mean, they give him a cortisone shot and he goes out, right? And then he's got two weeks to to heal. Still, I mean, if he's if he's seventy eight percent instead of ninety eight percent, that one play can be the difference. Yeah, you're right, but. Such a closely compacted game. Mahomes at 78. You know. But they need him MVP Mahomes. They, they do. But at the same time, it, in a as we saw against Buffalo, or excuse me, against, um, who did they just beat? Uh, oh. Jacksonville. Jacksonville, sorry. Oh, they meant in, in a spell moment for a drive or two, Henny's not terrible. I mean, he's not going to win a game for you in the whole game. I get it. But, but if Jake, Mahomes needs to go and get retaped or something, it's not like it's a disaster. But know. it's more like keeping a play alive on a third down. I get it. Can you get that half second that makes him so dangerous? Oh, Rice-A-Roni. How did we forget Rice-A-Roni, Mark? San Francisco treat. We're dummies. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but they're thinking about moving that down to the Miami I heard market. that. I heard that. Healy's been talking to them the whole time. Healy. <laughs> He was down in Miami talking to the rice and folks, right? I've had rice. Uh, we had some rice and broccoli the other night. It was great. Yeah, you can never go wrong with rice and broccoli, right? Nice little side. You know, every time I go to that Panda Express, they're out of rice. Well, that's unacceptable. <laughs> it seems weird, doesn't it? Do you guys see they came out with the um, all-pro list for 2022 season? You had two players, unanimous all-pro. Can you guys name the two? From this season that just completed. Uh-huh. Boy, unanimous. Um, I'll give each of you a guess. I mean, this obviously meaning the best at their position regardless of conference, right? Correct. Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is Mark's guess. Jake? You know, I don't know what kind of year this guy had, and he might have been out for the year, and I'm going to sound like an idiot, but I'm going to go with Justin Tucker. Justin Jefferson and Travis Kelsey. Kelsey was, darn it! But then I thought about George Kittle, and I'm like, I don't know. Suck on that all week. (laughs) That's quite the way to end a Friday here. Excuse me? Thanks, Jerry Jones. I swear I was about to say Travis Kelsey. Mahomes got 49 of 50 votes. Obviously, Quentin Nelson did not get an all-pro. He had had four straight of those. Three on the first team, one on the second team. What what do you think happened with Quentin Nelson? Uh, I think some injuries caught up to him. 
Uh, do you think they're injuries that are temporary injuries, or do you think they are debilitating injuries? I don't think. I think debilitating's a little bit. Too In other extreme. words, but are they injuries that could that have caused him to hit a ceiling? I think he can still get back to that level, but I think having the three surgeries that he had in about a nine or ten month span the prior off season, I just think that caught up a little bit to him. So I don't know if there's you know some sort of cleanup that's necessary, but the regression on the offensive line, all five of them had it, and he had it as well. And again, you're paying him way too much money for that to be the norm. I think you're paying him way too much money even if it was the norm. Yeah, that's that, that's a good point. You know what I mean? It's a good point. All right, should we get, make our picks? Yep. Sure. You begin. Eagles 49ers, 3 o'clock on Sunday. Eagles favored by 2.5 over under. Last I saw was 46. Uh, did you guys realize Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts played in college against each other? I have seen that floating yes. around. Six total touchdowns in the game by Brock Purdy. Five total touchdowns by Jalen Hurts in the game. Oklahoma won 42-41, so I hope it's a thriller. I'm going Eagles 23-20. I think um, they can create some rookie moments from Purdy. I think that pass rush that has a lot can handle it. I'm a little worried that Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, the two running backs for San Francisco, they have yet to practice this week. I mean, sounds like they're going to play, but if that San Francisco run game is limited in any way, I feel better about my pick, but I will go with the Eagles by three. Um, I think San Francisco actually, uh, I'm a fool for underselling Philadelphia because they've been consistently the best team all season long, but I just like the weapons and the defense of San Francisco. I'm going to say the Niners win by four over Philly. Brock Purdy and the 49ers offensive line had some trouble with the Cowboys defense pass rush, uh, Eagles defense Far better, have a lot led the league in sacks. Uh, I think that's going to give them even more trouble. I've got the Eagles winning twenty-seven to twenty. All right, to the AFC title, six thirty from Arrowhead, Chiefs and Bengals. It's going reverse order. Mark Dykton will lead us off. Chiefs favored by one and one to one and a half. Is what I've seen. Kansas City Steve not going to be too pleased with me. Uh, I know that. You know the Joe Burrow record. You feel like that's got to fall off at some point, but I also think the Bengals are kind of in like. They're not afraid of the Chiefs. There's this kind of stigma. You know, like you go to Kansas City and Arrowhead. Burrowhead is what they're calling yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I think Joe Burrow is riding high. He's really good. I got the Bengals taking on the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Give me the Bengals 31 and the Chiefs 28. Uh, I'm going to Lawrence, Kansas, I think a month from right now to go see Kansas and West Virginia at Allen Fieldhouse. And I don't know if I will be passing through a Super Bowl championship city, but I think I'll be passing through a Super Bowl participant city because I'll be passing Arrowhead on I-70 and I'll be seeing the location where the Chiefs won the AFC title. Kansas City by seven over Cincinnati. Mark looks like you and I align. Bengals 27, Chiefs 23. I just think Joe Burrow's presence, the depth of Cincinnati's skill group. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Cincinnati get back. And their defense has really impressed me. Cincinnati has not lost a road game in November or beyond in each of the last two 
seasons. Joe Burrow says their window for winning is his entire career, and boy, it sure looks like it. He's confident. He's cocky. He ain't wrong either. Uh, big thing for the Colts head coaching search today, will Jim Irsay be open-minded in front of Raheem Morris? I hope. Raheem Morris gets a chance. Second interview, will Jim Irsay be open-minded to probably the candidate outside of the coaches we'll see on Sunday? The guy I've wanted the whole time, Raheem Morris. That I think is most likely to be the Colts head coach. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday.